Hey, welcome to the Coach Bono's podcast from the Studio Soapbox Network. I'm Coach Bo, Brian O'Connor. We're recorded live at the undisclosed location of the O'Connor Advisory Group Studios. Check out all things O'Connor Advisory Group at OAGKS.com. You can interact with the show on Twitter and Instagram at Coach Bono's Show. Check out the Facebook page. Just search for Coach Bono's Show. You'll find the page. Like it. Review it. Put a bunch of stuff on there. And you can also email us at coachbonoshow at gmail.com. This is episode 26.5.5. Pod means, of course, our talented and lovely, <laughs> anything, any accurate, any adjective you come up with that's wonderful, the multi-talented Ellen Wingeter, Token Girls, with us today. And uh, we're going to have a fun show. So Ellen's going to be in. We're going to take a little break in the middle. Hayden Falk's going to come in. Hayden and I will do some uh, WWE and AEW and kind of do all the wrestling stuff. Then we'll bring Ellen back in. We'll talk football at the end and have some have a good time with everything. So, uh, E, how you doing today? I'm doing pretty well, Bo. How are you doing? I'm uh, doing a little better now. I wasn't feeling very good earlier today, but uh, starting to straighten out a little bit. But Glad to hear that. You know, it's hard getting old sometimes. It is. And, uh, you know, it's just never fun when your stomach doesn't feel good. Man, just, it, just, it, it throws everything off. You know, I don't know if it was something that ate or what it was, but I woke up and all night and all day, just horrible. Well, I hope, I hope that you're done with it and that you can have clear skies for tomorrow. Right now, I feel as good as I have felt in the last 24 hours. So that's good. Good. Yeah. So, hey, um, what's going on in the world? There's a whole lot of shit going on, isn't there? I mean... It depends on how serious you want to get it. All this, I'm not going to go into Ukraine and, and politics. But part of me is that. just like, oh, part of fuck. me wants. Part of me wants to, really bad. Let's it, do five. Let's do a couple minutes on this. Let's do it. All right, here we go. It's scary. We, it's some scary shit going on. We're about to have a war. It it's ugly. Um, I don't know what the outcome is going to be, and. You know, I, I always kind of laughed when my parents would tell me about their um, bomb shelter, you know, practices and classrooms and that kind of stuff. I honestly, I have to worry about that to some extent right now. I'm just kind of like, I, I don't know what Putin's going to do. Yeah. I don't suspect we'll see anything domestic. I, I don't suspect that. I, I think what we're going to see is some unnecessariness of people going that we have to send over people, mm-hmm. but we need to do that. We need to be with people who we've, we've committed to as a country and as what we've done with NATO and everything there. And we've made that commitment for the last, what, 70 years, yeah. longer than that now, 80 years. And we need to stay with that commitment. We are the, we are supposed to be the idea of, of America, in my view, we're supposed to be the, the, the light. We're supposed to be the beacon of freedom. Yes. And when we see somewhere where freedom is not being allowed, we need to do something about that. And we're going to have to in this thing. And we can get real political on it. I can tell you what my opinion is here. And it's, I mean, it's pretty damning, my opinion. And that's that this is all caused by one guy when it's all said and done. Really two guys, but one right here in our country. And that's our former president. Uh, I would fully agree on that. I mean, I think that 
the things that Donald Trump did to, not, uh, to help Russians and to help Vladimir Putin has made it to where he was based. This was this was Putin's entire game the entire time. Yes. It was the weakened NATO, weakened the relationship with us to where they became in a situation where there was a, such a distaste for the idea of war here that our country wouldn't want to get involved. And I'm against well, the idea of war, but I'm also, but I'm not against the idea of, of, the, of the protecting freedom. And one of the things that on, um, I believe it was a Vox podcast um, today explained that I listened to this afternoon, given that most of the people who are advising Biden were involved in the Obama leadership positions when Russia invaded Crimea and took that over. Yeah. It was an easy route for him to take. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so now that hopefully they learn from those mistakes and now we can do some things. I don't want to see anyone go to, I don't want to see any of our American boys or service people go over there, get hurt. I don't want to see that. No, I do think we have to protect people around this world. I mean, that's who we are. And this whole idea that we're just here for us, this isolationist idea is not who America is. Well, we've proven time and again, whether it's Woodrow Wilson and World War I and coming forward from times after that, it just doesn't work. No, no, it doesn't. And so... I, I, I pray for a solution that will be peaceful. I just don't think that's going to happen because I don't think that's the end game for anything. I, I heard I was listening to, you know, I have CNBC on most of the day at work, and I was listening to mm-hmm. Shepard Smith after, and I like Shepard Smith. I think he's pretty, pretty reasonable. Yeah. And I think one of the ideas he said was, you know, in some of the things that they said on CNBC about it today was, you know, um, a lot of what Biden's trying to do is do things in a way where the put, put the pressure on Putin to where it, these are things that are going to harm his country. It's going to harm his people economically if he does this. The sanctions we put on them, all right. these sort of things. In the end, that doesn't matter to Vladimir Putin because he doesn't give a shit about his people. Correct. He he wants to reconstitute. Yeah. The Soviet Union. Yes. And he wants to be the, and, and he doesn't care about the freedoms of his people. And, and no. so I think it's, I don't want to call it disingenuous. I don't want to criticize Biden too hard about this, but that idea doesn't work in that reason. To put pressure on him to say, hey, you're going to hurt your own people doing this. He doesn't give a shit. Well, and It'd I think. It would be different if he cared. And, you know, given your position as a financial planner, person who watches the markets, if you hit one cog in the wheel, Mm -hmm. it affects all the other spokes. So there are going to be consequences with these financial sanctions that spread across Across the the EU, us, whomever. And it's going to, there is no way that even, even if we didn't have these sanctions against Russia, just the threat of violence and war is going to hurt our economy. Yeah. So this is not blame. Oh my God, we're going to go into a into a downturn. We are going to go into an economic downturn if there's a war. 
plain and simple. Oh, for sure. And 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 that's not um that's not on the current leadership. No. The current leadership's trying to do what he thinks was right to avoid war, but there's this is not gonna work well. This is there's just no way outside of someone go up there and whacking Vladimir Putin. Which I mean, I mean, we just got to figure out a way to do that. I mean, we can't send the Black Widow over there. We got we got something going on. I mean, I you know he's been known to deal in poison, so you just we, kind of figure that out. We, just, can we get an Avengers. I mean, you would think so, right? Yeah, I mean, if let's assemble I'm not go there, I had it. Boy, I had. I'm just not going to say this. My, with the thought that's in my head is not going to come out. But yeah, we no, could use, it's, we could use Avengers right now. It, it's it's one of those things that it's it's scary. I'm mindful of it. And then at the same time, I'm also coming upon my greatest time of year where yes. it's my birthday. It is selection Sunday. It is daylight savings time. That's right. There are good things long. coming. Yeah, days start getting longer, which means I can get out and play more golf. You know, yes. the weather's going to warm up. Please let it warm up here in Kansas sooner than later. Oh. Yeah, you're in Colorado. It's worse there. I mean, we're getting we're gonna get hammered for another couple of days, but it'll be worse. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So, you, I asked you, I gave you some homework. Let's mm-hmm. talk about that first, because okay. So let's give a little background. I like basketball. It's not my favorite sport. Football is my favorite sport. Football and baseball. Uh huh. Um. But I like basketball. But I don't watch any college basketball till the football season ends. That's just who I am. It's how I do things. And there's a lot of folks like you. And there's a lot of people who are like me. Now, they're not as hardcore about it as I am. But I have not watched a full college basketball game yet. I have watched a couple of minutes here, a couple of minutes there. I have seen Gonzaga play a few minutes. I saw Uh KU a few times. Um, I mean, you did go to a basketball game. We left left midway through the second half because we had some commitments we had to go to. So um, that was the most basketball I've watched all season. So I asked you and tasked you with catching me up and catching everybody who's listening to football people up on what's going on in college basketball. Because there's some, there's some teams that are really good. Like I was shocked when I saw a couple of these things. I was like, they're good? Huh? And you were you had to explain some stuff to me. So I hit me up here, help, help me out. What's going on in college basketball? Go. So we are in the last two and a half weeks of the regular season of NCAA basketball. Um, As we reach the second full week of March, all of the conferences which have conference tournaments will have those and everyone will be done with those come March 13th. I think there's only two or three now that that have their championship on the 13th. The rest of them finish it uh, the day before Selection Sunday. So uh, in line with how the NCAA handles the bowl championship series, several years ago, they started, the NCAA started releasing preliminary brackets for the top 16 for March Madness. So their first reveal was Saturday. Okay. And we have a top four of, we've got Gonzaga, 
we have Arizona, we have Auburn, and we have Kansas as the top four number one seeds. So for most of the season, none of this is a surprise. What was interesting is that within a few hours of these initial kind of brackets being released, Auburn lost to Florida. Um, They potentially have the number one draft pick going into the 2022 draft. Okay. Uh, He had a great game. I believe he scored 28 points. But Jabari wasn't enough to get the rest of the team there and Florida beat him. Um, Gonzaga has been a powerhouse for the last several years. Of course, Arizona has a fun story in the fact that they fired their coach last year because he was involved in the FBI bribery scandal. Yes. And uh, they hired Gonzaga's coach in waiting. And now he's got them as a potential number one seed. Um, and of course, Kansas. Some would argue that they should be a two seed, which is fine either way. But it's going to be interesting. And there's going to be some movement over the next, you know, two and a half weeks. Yeah, you have to play well the last couple Sunday. of weeks and then yep. momentum is a big thing. Then you got to play well in your conference tournament. Exactly. So there's going to be some, some surprises. So as much as you look at bracketology, you can't predict who's going to win conference tournaments and get those automatic bids. Yep. And, you know, you've got a conference like the ACC who's really down this year. I've heard that. May get two or three teams in. And then you've got somebody like the Mountain West out in this area that could have four teams, which for a mid-major conference to outdo some of the Power Five conferences is a big deal. Yeah. So I was, you know, I do hear things. I don't, you know, I don't totally ignore it. And I had heard, I knew about Auburn. I knew about Auburn being better. Um, I actually watched a little bit of their game against Arkansas a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Because I had seen an interview with Bruce Pearl and... Bruce Pearl was talking about how that was going to be a rough game for them because uh, Arkansas yep. has big guards, and that was a big deal against Auburn. Teams with big guards, they're going to give them trouble. And they lost. That was their first loss. Yeah. Um, and then they go and they just lost to Florida. But uh, I had heard about the ACC being down. This is usually a conference that gets six, seven teams in. Yeah. Uh, they're looking at getting two or three. Is that right? That's yeah, true. it's wild. I mean, the – the overarching theme perhaps of this uh, season is that coach K is retiring. So Duke's longtime coach is going to be gone. And ESPN of course uh, has some sort of investment around the ACC, which is, which is fine. So there are a lot of games which are focused on coach K and uh, how he finishes and you know, we'll see what they can do. There, There is some sense of a storyline of Coach K doing a walk-off. You know, Duke winning the tournament and him going off into the sun- sunset that a lot of people are kind of hoping to see. Are they good enough to do that? That was one of my know. questions I was going to have for you. So they, They're I, currently ranked what? Uh, I Seven, somewhere like that? Something along that. Uh, they did win tonight in a close game, okay. um, which was against Virginia. Virginia has not played well this season. 
And um, I think Virginia's pace of play really dictated a lot of it because they are perpetually known as the slowest team in the country. Uh, they implement the Princeton offense to a T and it Virginia, just, just say it, Virginia plays the Princeton the offense, Princeton offense, the same yeah. Virginia that was the number one seed a couple of years, a few years ago. Correct. And they always have the lowest scores. They always have the longest time of possession. They always have some ridiculous stat that you're just like, why is this game continuing? Um, at some point in the early second half, they had a player at 21 points and Virginia's total points were 42. And they were only down by like three to Duke. So this is kind of the thing with Virginia. Yeah, um, good enough team to get in the tournament. No, they'll get, they may get in the tournament depending on their run to through the ACC. Okay. A lot of people just kind of figured even early on in the season, they didn't have a team, but mm-hmm. Tony Bennett, people rode his credentials to even yeah. rank Virginia early on in the season. Okay. I, I was curious. I'm curious. And the reason I asked that question is that, you know, I have to learn all the information I can learn in the next two weeks so I can make educated picks sure. for my bracket because that's all that really matters to me at this point about college basketball. Yep. I tried to sit out last year on the bracket and just like just go off what little bit I know, and it was a horrible experience. <laughs> so I'm going to actually try to learn something over these next couple of weeks. Sure. So, um, okay, so I, that's why I ask because when I hear someone could run the Princeton offense, that slow pace, frustrates you, four corners offense. That's the kind of team that beats somebody in turn. It's it's a controlled situation, but if they can't produce offensively, you can only control so much. So, you know, depending on how they do in the ACC tournament, I do not believe that Virginia currently is projected to be one of the ACC teams that makes it. Okay. Um, I think Duke, perhaps Wake Forest, because they've made uh, a very odd run lately and have done well. And uh, UNC, with their new first-year coach of Hubert Davis, is a bubble team at this point. They've kind of lost some games that they probably shouldn't have. Yeah, Joe Lenardi on on his bracket watch has North Carolina as one of the last four bots. Yeah. So, you know, we'll see. I think they have to finish out the season solidly and maybe win a game or two in the ACC tournament to really solidify their, their bid. All right. How good are my LSU Tigers? So they hit a bad, they hit a bad streak. I saw it was like four out of five. I think it was like six out of seven. You know, really beating Kentucky by 10 up here. They had a really good run early in the season. I watched a couple of games early because they were hot. Um, Their coach is untouchable, which is fascinating to me. I love love Will Wade. Uh, You know, Will Wade is a mobster. He really is. And it's just, it is insane to me. But Will Wade is the basketball version of John Gotti. Yes. Yes. And we'll say it on tape. We'll say what he's doing and still continues to carry on. Uh, Currently LSU is up on Kentucky, the number six ranked team in the nation by 10. Uh, 
it's the first half. It's midway through. It's yeah, it's early. Uh, what I have noticed is that they are, they're big, they're athletic, and they rebound. Well, and I do believe uh, Kentucky is missing their two primary players, Ty Ty Washington being well, one of them. Talk about that. We want to talk about how good LSU is. No, we're no. We're it's important playing. to talk about Kentucky here because they are Kentucky. Kentucky is they've. I mean, hell, Kansas got housed by Kentucky they did. in they did. Allen Fieldhouse. Yes, they did. And so, if they have their players at full strength. They're going to come and assassinate some folks during the tournament. Yeah, is, but, are they loaded with one and done? This is not—they're not one and dones like it was a few years ago. These no, are, it's, it's a little bit unusual cuts. that they have some more experience on their yeah. team. Um, Ty Ty Washington was one of the top recruits, and yeah. he's been just plagued with injuries this season, so it's been kind of tough. But their core team is experience. It's not the normal Calipari churn and burn of all these just one and done players coming through. So it's been kind of interesting to see. Okay. Um, I had to ask about LSU Tigers. I was going to always ask. And, and, no, it's, and Kentucky's it's Kentucky. They're always going to be there. I mean, they're the best SEC school. But, I mean, Auburn's obviously had a better season thus far. and That'll be interesting to see where that comes in the end of the season because it'll come down – those couple of games are at the end of the year between those two teams. And then you figure in an SEC tournament, you're going to come down to Auburn and Kentucky. So I, I, you know, I'm not sure. I would be really interested to see where Alabama falls in because if they are shooting well, the way that Nate Oates has his teams set up the last couple of years, it is an NBA style team where it's live and die by the three. Yeah. And if they can nail it, they're going to make a run, but they have to have some inside presence at the same time. Yeah. We don't give Alabama any credit on this podcast. I understand, but I do appreciate you. I'm with our teams. teams. I do appreciate what they've done, even though I, you know, don't like them. Give me a team you think is kind of off the radar, not a one or a two seat that you think this is a good team. Um, I think the one thing that a lot of people have been surprised about is Providence coming out of the big East. Mm-hmm. It's not a team we've heard about for a while. Yeah. Providence has just, you know, especially out of the big East, once it was reconstituted, um, Villanova has been the presence coming out of the big East for years. And, Providence is really just making a hell of a run. They've got a great coach, longtime coach, and they are scraping back and coming back and winning games that look like they shouldn't. And it's a lot of fun. And there's a lot of people who are like, what? Seton Hall's involved somehow? Maybe, you know, Providence, um, you know, Houston, not so much anymore as being a surprise just because they've with, um, oh God, I'm forgetting their coach's name. And he used to coach at Oklahoma. Uh, it's um, Samson. Oh, yeah, know, with, steps. Yep. yeah. With, with Samson there, it's just kind of like, it's become he's normalized. He's a great, but, he's a great coach. He was one of those, he had to rehab his image by going to the, exactly. Be an assistant coach for a few years. And, Exactly. So I think, you know, I'll be interested to see what some of the automatic bid teams 
turn up to be because those are the great like weird eight nine seeds uh 12 5 1 16 that you never know if somebody's just going to kind of jump up and bite you and frankly for a major uh look memphis if they can get their shit straight might come through and do some serious damage okay yeah penny hardaway he had a little dust up with the press a couple weeks ago he's had consistent dusts up with the press throughout the entire season yeah speaking of dust ups yes michigan was interesting michigan wisconsin game was interesting on uh sunday i did not see the game i just heard about it after saw the clips afterwards yeah um, i want to know what someone said first off to Jawan howard i also want to know what the wisconsin assistant coach who had hands placed on him because uh, that's a large human being. I mean, Jawan Howard is a big man. It, you gonna? I, I. That's not a. That's not a fight. That's that's as, as people have, as they say. That is not the smoke that I want. I do not. I do not. I am not going to Jawan Howard. So the assistant coach. Someone least, said something to him though. You could see it in his eye. No. So the assistant coach, at least from a hype perspective, is much more in line yes. than Greg Gard, who is the head coach of Wisconsin. Okay who also tried to seemingly dispute, diffuse the situation by saying, hey, you're mad because I called a timeout because you guys were doing full court press with my backups in. Oh, okay. So that's, you know, Wisconsin had their bench guys in, end okay. of the game. Wisconsin had the game in hand. Michigan presses. And so to be able to get a new 10 count on the clock so they could get past half court and close out the game, Wisconsin calls timeout. That pisses off Juwan Howard. Well, had Juwan Howard not made the decision to press initially. He would have dribbled it out. So, you know, it's a bunch of different things going at the same time. Yeah. Something was definitely said that by that Wisconsin assistant coach. Yeah. And I think that needs to be investigated by the leagues. Yeah. I didn't hear anything about that. I mean, you didn't because hear anything. no one knows. Yeah. I mean, someone said something about somebody's mom. That's, that's what Jawan Howard's eyes look like to me. It looked like someone said something about his mama. And that's why now I'll say that. And I'll say it this way. I said this on Monday. Um, he cannot throw the punch. He's the he head basketball coach. He, just, he cannot do the smush. He cannot do whatever. Oh, no, he's the head coach. Second, it's the second time in two seasons that this has happened. Yeah. I, I like in the, so I'll, I'll tell a brief little story about me as a coach. Okay. So when I was an assistant coach, you know, and again, we're talking about small, you know, school in Kansas, uh-huh. uh, you know, high school. Um, I was kind of the rah rah. Hey guys, let's go. You know, I was the guy who would get in the guy's face. Let's go. Let's get it going. Sure. But I, as a head coach, did not do that. As a head coach, you all the eyes on the sideline are on you. Right. As the head coach of a basketball team, every eye in the arena is on you. So you have to carry yourself in a certain way. And I tell the story like this. I first figured this out in life as a father. Um. My son, you know my son, he's now 19, but when he was yeah. a newborn baby, 
My son was a micro preemie. He was in the hospital for three months. We come home after three months and we got one of those little swinging chairs. Mm-hmm. He loved to sit in the little chair and he would fall asleep for little naps. And the very first time, I mean, the very first time that the wife decides she's going to leave the house, leave me alone with our child, <laughs> put him in the swing. He falls asleep. Well, then he wakes up. I hear him. I'm in the room. He got a big smile on his face. And it was one of those little chairs that you pull the top up. It's got like a little tray. Right. A little tray up. And you pick the child out of the seat. Right. I pull the little tray up. I go to pick him up. He slips right through my hands. Mm. Hits feet first. And he's got a big head. It says head. Boom. Smacks the floor. We didn't have carpet in that room. We had like uh, like linoleum, like hardwood floors. Yeah. Laminate floors. So I could hear the smack. And I was like, oh, should I have killed him? She's going to come home. I'm going to kill. I mean, I, I'm dead. He's dead. He's already right. yeah, dead when she gets home. And then I, he's not crying. And I just went, okay, if I stay calm, he will stay calm. Yeah. So I pick him up. I lift him. And I go, you okay, you little buddy? So just said, just like that. And he's got a smile from ear to ear. Whatever did he hit, he hit the ground, he's fine. Mm-hmm. I still think that's why he's got some problems now because that one really <laughs> hit in his head. But that's beside the point. I I remembered that. I remember that if I stayed calm, he'd stay calm. And Absolutely. you've known me for a long, you've known me for what 30 years now? Give or take, yeah. I have not always been the calmest, I've not always been the voice of reason in the room. True. Okay. Now I would say as I've gotten older, I've gotten much better about that. Yeah, that was the moment. I mean, I could pinpoint that exact moment. So years later, I'm going to skip forward. I'm I'm coaching a football game. Mm -hmm. I'm coaching at Veritas Christian School here in Lawrence. And we're playing Care Paravel, which is in Topeka. Oh, you know, my feelings. I hate Topeka. I went to, we went to have both of us with the high school in Topeka. We did. And I made a point of telling my kids all week, look, last year when I was the assistant coach, this team beat our ass. And we are better than them this year. I've seen the video. We're ready. We're prepared. I said, and I do not want to lose these guys. I want to go out and play the best we can play. Yep. We kick off. And we onside kicked every time. Okay. Onside kicked every time. It's, it's eight-man ball. It's a little different kind of game. But I decided okay. we're going to onside kick. We onside kick. Uh, they get the ball. They run it right down the field. Three plays, touchdown. Go for two, they don't get it. They then onside kick and get it. Because he knew I was going to onside kick. So he did it. Yeah. So the coach did. Four plays, touchdown. We're down 12 nothing. They got both times we shut them out in a two-point conversion. Okay. 12 nothing. They kick off. And they onside kick it again. We got it. I grabbed my quarterback and I told him, look. I don't want you to be nervous. Everybody on the team, I could feel everyone's eyes. Sure. Because I told our team, we're going to kick this team's ass. And here we are. We're down 12 nothing in three minutes. Sure. And I said, look, we're going to go down there. We're going to run the ball. We're going to make a couple plays. We're going to seven or eight plays. We're going to score. We're going to get a two-point conversion. We're going to onside kick. We're going to get it back. We're going to do it again. And in, in five minutes, we're going to be up 16 to 12. He looked at me, smiled, all right, coach, let's go. (laughs) 
Six plays, touchdown, two-point conversion. I ran a special two-point conversion to get a kid involved who I was trying to run a special play for just to get that kid involved. Yeah. And it hyped everybody up. Now the sideline's going ape shit. Right. Kick an onside kick. We get it. Three plays later, touchdown, two-point conversion. It's 16 to 12. We won the game 56 to 12. They never scored again, and we just kept scoring. And I was talking to an assistant coach, one of my good friends, Barry Kingery, after the game. And he said, the most amazing part was you stayed calm at 12 nothing. He's like, it was, he's, and I said, I just felt everyone's eyes on me. And I tell that story because Jawan Howard should have known that as the head coach of that team, the eyes yeah, are on him. And they're not as good as they were a year ago. I've seen their record. They're not nearly as good as they were one year ago. Right. But he has to understand, and he's mature enough. He's been in enough. I mean, goddamn, that guy played at the NBA at the highest of NBA levels. He's been an assistant coach. You know, he's been a head coach now. He's been successful at everything he's done. He should damn well know better. That the team's going to follow what your attitude is. And and I and that's fully, the problem I have with that. Well, and so that's the thing, like, because there were two or three Michigan players who are now suspended for a game. Yep. So Juwan Howard, they've laid yeah, down fine. their their rulings. So Juwan Howard has yep. a fifty forty dollar fine. Uh, five game suspension. So that gets him through Michigan's regular season, yeah. but does not currently exclude him from the postseason. Although Michigan has said they don't know if something else may be adjusted. You said um, a $40,000 fine or you said correct. 40, you said $40. So 40,000. 40,000. No. Yeah. Yes. 40 dollars. I start yelling at those 40 bucks. <laughs> and so then there the, the players who were suspended for a game because there is a bylaw, NCAA bylaw, that if you have if you throw a closed fist punch, yeah. you have to sit for at least a game. And it's on video. I don't think that there was really much that they could do about that. Yeah. Greg Gerard, Gerard, the Wisconsin head coach, has a $10,000 fine, no suspension. And I don't believe any, the um, assistant coach for Wisconsin who is smushed or whatever you want to call it uh, has any kind of suspension or anything directed to him. So the thing that I've been interested in kind of listening to the dialogue after this came out to your point was the players are going to follow that coach's example. Those players would have not, gone into the scrum had they not seen their coach do what they do i agree so i would still be very very interested to know what that wisconsin assistant coach said yeah and i don't and i don't think anything he said makes it forgivable but i also think he should be held accountable correct that's where i'm at i mean it's it doesn't forgive someone else's actions even if it was something very ignorant, let's say, but it's something that he needs to be held accountable for. In my opinion. yeah, there needs to be a discussion around that, and and I just haven't heard that anywhere. So no, because no one's talking about it. They they had audio around um, the initial interaction, 
with the Wisconsin head coach. And you could kind of hear that in the background, but with the assistant coach, I haven't seen any video that had solid audio around it. Okay. Yeah. So I just, um, I was curious what your thoughts were on that. So yeah. Um, all right. What else you got for me, college basketball? What, what are you going to keep me on here? I, I kind of adjusted there and went on the fly there, but what you No, got? no, no. This is the, these are hot topics. The thing of it is, is that we're in for fantastic finishes in the next two and a half weeks as we go through the end of the regular season, um, I think a lot of eyes will be on that Duke Carolina game as it will be that last hurrah for coach K and then the conference tournaments, because it's always a wild card and don't know what you're going to get. And there's going to be bid stealers when you've got some of these mid-major leagues that only have the automatic bid and somebody comes through and wins the tournament and there's your automatic bid, even though a far better team um, performed during the regular season, something like Georgetown last yeah. year in the big East. Uh, so we'll see. This is again, this is my favorite time of year. Let me ask you a question here. And this is because again, I, here's one thing I've always had a problem with. Mm-hmm. And this is similar to what happens at the tippy top in football, but here in basketball. So I'm looking at bracketology. This is Joe Lenardi's current 68. Okay. Um, he has, they do a conference breakdown here at the bottom. The Big Ten has nine teams according to the current, and it's, it's going to all change. You could have seven, you could have eight, you could have nine. You guys, sure. I don't know. Uh, of that nine, let's see, he has of the first floor out. Of the last eight out, there are no Big Ten teams. So I'm assuming there's not anybody he doesn't have getting in. Um, the Big East, he has seven teams getting in. I don't see any Big East teams in those last four out and next four out. Um, the Big 12, the SEC with six. The ACC has five getting in. The Mountain West, four. The WCC has the Western West Coast Conference. West Coast Conference. Yeah. The three, the Pac-12, three, the American Conference, two. So I want to talk about the Big Ten for a minute here. Okay. You get 10 teams. Now, there's how many teams currently in the Big Ten? Uh, I believe there are 12. There are 12. So there are 12 Or is it 14 now? 12 or 14, okay. but it's not 10. Okay. So, yeah, I know it's not 10. Um, why can't they just change the number? Them in the Big 12 would just swap numbers. It would be all right. Um, or the Pac-10. I mean, come on. Yeah, the Pac-12. They're the Pac-12 now. But they're the Pac-16. So that's true. So, um, but getting nine of what's called nine of twelve teams gets in. Um, is that become something where a, should there be a rule that you have to at least finish five hundred in your conference? So I don't think it's an issue for those teams. Um, I think. And I can't recall, I'm kind of trying to run through them in my head. Rutgers is Rutgers is a really interesting case right now because Rutgers, which yes, is in the big 10 in New Jersey, um, was not predicted to do anything, but dwell in the cellar, the big 10 this season has made a run and had impactful wins against what they call tier one programs. And there has to be some recognition that especially when you are playing 
top tier competition within your conference, even if your non-conference may not be so great, if you are getting beat up for the majority of your schedule on a day-to-day basis by other great teams, this is why the Big 12 has continued to have such a big bid, you know, rate. Same with the SEC. Yeah. Because so, they're just good teams. Yeah. So here's my question on that. So, okay, so there, there are 14 teams currently in the Big Ten. I got it pulled up here. Okay. There are eight with conference, as we're speaking, this is Wednesday night. There are mm-hmm. currently eight with conference records above 500. Okay. It's Purdue, Illinois, Wisconsin, Ohio State, Rutgers, Iowa, Michigan State, Michigan. So Indiana is the team that's the ninth team. They're currently seven and nine. Um, overall, they are 16 and 10. So that means they were nine and one in their nine conference. Yeah, they I don't had, know who they play. I have no idea. They had a, a couple of big wins, but they've also had some disappointing losses within the Big Ten. So then I look at that bracketology here and again i'm going to kind of say this. in the big 12 they've got six going in four five six with the big 12 only has four teams with a conference record above 500 four of the 10 teams there's 10 teams in the conference only four have a conference record above 500 and the Big 12 is the only conference that does a true round robin. Yeah. Why? I just think that that, I, I've always thought this. This is not a, a knock on an indictment on the Big 10 or the Big 12 this season. Mm-hmm. I've just always thought that to be one of those teams, you have to go 500 in your in your conference. I don't think that's true. Especially in basketball, I think you might make the argument in football where the vast majority of your schedule is actually in conference play with basketball because of the tournaments and the ability to play outside of your conference and play marquee teams that has to be given additional weight beyond, Hey, we went six and six in conference play. Okay. I'm going to give you an example here. Then, Kansas state, Kansas state's currently on Lenardi. They're not in. Right. Okay. They are, they're one of the next four out. Yep. Kansas State and Oklahoma are both. Kansas State's in the next four. First four out, Oklahoma is one of the first four out. Mm-hmm. There are no other Big 12 teams in the last four in, last four bots. So Oklahoma and Kansas State, as I'm looking at this here, mm-hmm. Oklahoma is currently four and 11 in conference. Okay. Again, they're 14 and 14 overall. So you're just, they went 10 and three in the non-con, but you have a chance. I get it that you're saying, well, they scheduled outside the conference. Well, look at the schedule, but look, look, look at their schedule. Okay. Let me look at it here. Look at their, 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 Arkansas that's ranked. I believe their conference losses until recently we're like for a total of five points. Okay, they lost to Baylor by 10. They lost to Texas by 14, TCU by one, Kansas by three, Baylor again by four. Um, they played Auburn and got their ass kicked by Auburn. Yeah. So that's an out of conference. That was an SEC Big 12 challenge. Yep. Uh, they lost by nine to TCU. 
They lost by nine to Oklahoma State, beat Texas Tech, who's a top 10 team right now. Yeah. Lost to KU by two, lost to Texas by two, lost by 21 to Iowa State, lost by 24 to Texas Tech. There are some serious bad losses in there. Yeah. I don't think Oklahoma should be in the tournament. Well, and, the, and Lenardi, does, to their credit, Lenardi does not have them in. But that's where I go, wait a minute. Even if you didn't play a good non-con schedule and maybe you went 10 and 1 or 10 and 0, mm-hmm. the fact Which that in is, your conference, you played a strong conference, especially a Big 10 or a Big 12, where you have a strong basketball conference, you need to win in conference. So, okay. So maybe LSU is your perfect foil for this. They played phenomenally yes. non-conference and they are sitting currently seven at 500. At 500. They're at least 500. I said, you got to at least go 500. But now, if they slip under 500, then I wouldn't put them in. I, I, but what is the weight of the disparity yeah. for all other conferences, but the big 12 who do not play that's a valid point. every team that's, twice? That's a valid point. I look at it and go, and whether it's the Big 12 or the Big 10, I just, I'm looking at it and going, if you can't win half the games in your conference, how can you be in the tournament? But the thing of it is, is that if it is your turn on the schedule to be slated against the top six, seven teams mm-hmm. in your conference, and you don't have any of the back end that you could buoy your record with, you're yeah. fucked. There's that's true, I suppose. Yeah, I see where you're saying. I mean, there are games you're I see that point, but if if you are top loaded, so to speak, because of no choice of your own, but just because of how your conference schedules. Well, I look at it as there's a lot of teams on here that, like, I'm looking at Oklahoma still, I still have that up. Um, you know, they got losses against TCU, against Oklahoma State. Um, and I'm giving them credit for loss against KU in Texas. And in a big loss against Iowa State, they do have three in a row here against unranked teams. They've got Oklahoma yeah. State, West Virginia, Kansas State. You know, And those are win, bad losses. If you win those last three, that should, you should be able to play yourself in, in my theory. Of, okay, you win those last three out of your – last three out of five, something like that, okay, you're in. I agree, but I just when a, I just I've had a problem with that in the past. But yeah. when two thirds of your your league is ranked or just outside national rankings, that's going to so, be tough to do. Yeah, they got four teams currently ranked in the Big Twelve. There was at one point this season that I believe that uh, five or six teams were ranked. And granted, it it was probably during non conference and all that stuff. And I get it, but. Yeah, but like a, a 14 and 13 Kansas State team, they should be in a tournament. And they well, already doesn't have them in. They should even be in the conversation. For them. But the thing of it is, is that the automatic bid. The automatic bid throws them off. I mean, if one of those teams goes in, if it's West Virginia, who's sitting at 3 and 12 in conference, 14 and 14 overall, wins the Big 12 tournament. It you know, takes away a bid from somebody. Hey, yeah. bless Bob Huggins. He deserves to be in the Naismith college basketball hall of fame he's nominated he should get in um his track suits have been epic for years love the track suit i'm a Uh, fan i'm a huggins fan 
I, you know, I was fortunate enough to see Cincinnati play in a tournament game at Memorial Stadium after Kenyon Martin had broken his leg. And I still recall seeing Huggy on, you know, the sideline because KU was supposed to be there and it just didn't happen. But um, yeah, it's, I don't know. It, I can appreciate your arguments, but I think there's a lot more nuance that has to go into it. As it definitely is more football. nuance. That, that's why I'm not, I'm not the person that's, that's why you are the college basketball. <laughs> so, um, hey, I did see some that you said Huggins and it reminded me. So, yes, um, West Virginia played Kansas State a couple weeks ago. When was this? It was another last few days. Let me get it pulled up here. I don't know. I just remember that KU K State beat them uh, Tuesday. Yeah. Okay. So, um, and I'm not, yeah, they're, they're supposed to go. Um, so, where was that? So, you know, my wife, you know, Jen, she's a huge mm-hmm. K Stater and yep. Jen hates Bruce Weber, like with a passion. Okay. I will say this as a side note, seeing Bruce's hair last night, I was just like, I like the longer hairdo, his little Buffon thing that he's going on, but I still hate that he's, he sounds like a Muppet and he just is a bad coach. He's a bad coach. He should have never gotten the Kansas State job. Oh Um, no, he should have because he wrote Bill Self's coattails at Illinois to be able to go. Yeah. Um, when they hired him at Kansas State, I was like, "This he's a bad coach." Yes. Um, but and so they keep Jen, renewing his fucking contract. They do so. because he ends up like doing something, and like they get into a tournament, and all of a yes. sudden you got to renew it, and then they they suck for three years, and they do something again. Yes. Um, I was watching the end of the Kansas State West Virginia because Jen had it on, okay. and she was fuming not because of the game. Now Kansas State lost the game. I'm sorry, Kansas State won the game against West Virginia. Um, but you know, Bob Huggins was tracksuit. So good. Um, Bruce Weber was wearing a t-shirt, a fucking t-shirt. Now I, it, there was something going, it was a certain kind of like a shirt for that game. I, I think okay. they had something was it was at Kansas State. I think they were doing something to also kind of say thank you to Bob Huggins because you know Huggins was at Kansas State for a while and he yeah. kind of helped turn that program around for a bit. So I think it was kind of in honor of him and some things they were doing. It was a Saturday game. But head basketball coach during a game, not a tournament, not like in a preseason tournament, you know, or a non-con tournament, in conference play, should I be wearing a T-shirt? He was wearing a T-shirt and freaking khakis. And I was like, oh, hell no. Had that been a football coach, someone would have gone off on that. Here's my full pause on that. I can appreciate it to a point, but if they were doing an event for Huggins. And I don't know. It was some, it was a Kansas State t-shirt. And but, I can see when they showed the student section, they had the same t-shirt. So, so I, if I that's the case. a little bit of grace on that. But you'd head it, it should be disregarded. I have, I find it more amusing at this point, given COVID, that there are the handful of coaches who are wearing suit jackets. You don't need to do that. No. You've never needed to do it. No. No. Coach- no I, think, I, I think that I think that I think football coaches get it right for the most part. I think basketball coaches wearing suit and ties is a little. I think wearing a tie is fine. Um, I think baseball managers wearing uniforms is kind of ridiculous now. It's so but, stupid. It doesn't but, make sense. Know, Connie Mack didn't have to. 
<laughs> so, but uh, yeah, I, I just that was something I had to bring that up because the the um, yeah, it just he was wearing a t-shirt. It, no, it, I mean it looked like he was wearing a t-shirt and khakis. Like it looked like an AAU coach. Here's it, the thing: it was I awful. Do, I do not care what the coaches wear. Just like I don't care what the players wear. Yeah. Dress codes are dumb for the most part. Yeah. But I mean, I can appreciate where you're coming from, especially just flipping it on and being like, that seems very strange. But it looked odd. It looked like a guy coaching a it looked like a guy coaching a low-level AAU basketball tournament hey, in a gym been, in St. Louis. I mean it would have been my YMCA coach. Who knows? Yeah. I mean, that, yeah, he's the coach at Kansas State. I mean, that's meaning what at this point? Well, I mean, it's at least a Big Twelve team. I mean, that's yeah. I know. I just had to throw a little shade. Yeah, that's fine. It's just like you know, KU football. I mean, it's you know. Hey, I did see. Speaking of KU football, they had a big transfer come in, Kai Thomas. Okay. Kai Thomas transferred from Minnesota to Kansas. Uh, he's from Topeka. He's a Topeka high kid. Uh, he's the best. But he, he's a running back with the Topeka high. Uh, was considered, you know how everybody in, in Kansas, when they're a good running back, gets compared to Barry Sanders? Oh, yeah. He was one of those. He was one of the best recruits in a number of years, in a five to ten year period here in Kansas. Went to Minnesota. It hasn't worked out. So he's transferred to Kansas. Kansas is going to have a two-headed beast at running back with him. And I, yeah, I'm ex. I, I'm excited for Kansas football a little bit. I think there's going to be some movement. I think they're look, they're not going to be Alabama out there. I, no, they'll be better. They'll be better, and these guys want to play. And the I'm thing of it is, is there there is an inkling of perhaps uh, me going to Lawrence for a reunion over homecoming. And I'm like, that could be a lot of fun. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's where <laughs> we might actually win a football game that I've been to in the last 20 years. <laughs> KU is going to win more than one game. This year. We're going to win a couple uh, games. I, you know, Leipold seems to be a good guy creating a great staff and really just getting it right finally after the 15 I'm, years that we've had of horrible football coaches. I'm very, I'm very uh, impressed by him. I think he's doing it the right way. I think it helped having Miles here before him because they got people to spend some money. Mm-hmm. It helped. But um, I think Lansing Bolt's a, a good coach. I think he's going to have some good stuff here. You know, are they going to win the Big 12 next year? No. No. But they're going to be competitive, much more competitive than they were this year, which is more competitive. They were, they played some games this past year where, yeah, they got beat and they got beat pretty good in a couple of games where they were really competitive for three quarters. Yes. And if you're watching it as a football person, you're going, all right, they just don't have the, the, the same horses. Right. But you can see some things. You can see yeah. how young they are and how much better they're going to be. So, no, yeah, I, can it was, dog, I can only dog you on Kansas football for so much longer, I think. I know. And a total side note, but very funny. Last week I was in the grocery store. I had my KU mask on and a guy stops me and just like, miss, did you go to KU? And I was like, yeah, I did. He goes, I did too. And I played for Glenn Mason. 
Wow. And it was completely random. We had a lovely five minute conversation. He was just like, I really want to get back to Lawrence. And I was just like, well, I think it's time for you to go back. The program is really doing some good things. So maybe go check it out. <laughs> they're going to run the ball. They're going to run the ball well with those two kids. Those two yeah. kids, they're both two young men. Um, you know, I've seen them both play at the high school level. I've seen both of them play at the college level. They're both very good. Local I'm rooting for both those guys. So, yeah. So, I mean, even though I'm not a Jayhawk, I am a Jayhawk adjacent, as I say. Yes, you are. And so I, I do, I root hard for those kids. And every KU football person I've met, I have liked. That's great. And, and in the time that I have been here, now that I've become friends with all people on the basketball staff, mm-hmm. I am rooting harder for them than I ever have. I would have never thought I would root for KU basketball. <laughs> but Man, Coach Q is my dude, and I love that guy. And He's I, a good guy. I have never rooted against Coach Q unless it's against my, my team. If, if they were playing LSU, I'd root for LSU. But Are you sure? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Coach Q would understand that. Okay. If I brought Fred on, I would tell you, I could tell him that too. He'd be like, yeah, I get it. He knows well enough. Well, I mean, the tournament is coming, so you never know what you could get. You, you imagine how bad the podcast would be. Imagine how shitty and a grin I would have if LSU beat KU in the basketball tournament. I have zero you, doubt. You would take the week off. You would not want to be on that podcast with me. No, I, I, I would do it. I would own it. I'm, I would be there and I would congratulate you. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, speaking of Providence earlier. They went to no, I just saw the I just yeah. saw the score yeah, they're, they're, they're in a double overtime. overtime. Yeah, so because uh, I was watching the Xavier game over the weekend uh, yeah. against Villanova, I believe, and Xavier just kind of didn't show up. So again, it's the Big East is weird. The Big yeah. East was blown up, and then it came back together, and it's a bunch of Catholic colleges. Yeah. And uh, here we are, but I'm glad for it. Yeah. All right. Uh, one last thing, and then we're going to take a break. I'm going to have Hayden in, and then we'll come back, you and I, to talk football. Yeah. And we got to do an update on Major League Baseball. You and I are the baseball nerds around here. So of all the Studio Soapbox Network people, we are the baseball nerds. <laughs> so, um, we, uh, we don't have a whole lot. We do the, They're actually negotiating. They're face-to-face. And... They seem to be, and I'm going to ask you this with your legal hat on for a minute. Okay. Tell me if I'm wrong on this. So they, it seems like they're coming to grips on some of the smaller stuff. Like there's going to be a draft lottery. Uh, this was a joke that it's only three teams. And now the MLB has decided, oh, we'll go to four teams. Right. Uh, the players actually want to go to eight. Um, but when they're looking at these small components, to me, it seems like, we're talking about these little things because we really don't even want to discuss the big things. And we know this is going to take a lot of time. I'm not so sure from a negotiation standpoint, it's even that it's you give on this so you can get on that. Did I agree with that? Yeah. It's, it's that give and take and you kind of figure out what your primary sticking points are. And 
you start from the point that they are all primary sticking points mm -hmm. and start acknowledging that most of them aren't. So I would imagine that, um, you know, some of the, the time in the league rules where, you know, contracts start, that's a big thing for the owners. Okay. Minimum salaries are going to be a big thing. I'm curious to see if um, minimum contract salaries for major league, how that rolls down to minor league. That's what they're arguing about. That seems to be something that the owners are willing to give in on. And so I'm going to be curious on some of that, especially with some of the, you know, the career minor leaguers kind of coming out and saying, listen, this isn't great. It sucks. We're working two, three jobs, just like everybody else to, mm -hmm. you know, make ends meet. So I don't know. It was, it was funny for me today to see the Associated Press have a tweet thread, which included Max Scherzer showing up at negotiations in his Porsche when I'm just kind of like, um, I'm sorry, did you profile any of the owners that showed up or the owner's representatives who are, you know, very wealthy as well? Yeah. This isn't, this isn't a thing that the players are being greedy. The owners lock them out and stop yeah. them from playing. We talked about that in the beginning a few weeks ago. Yep. You and I made a point. We, we are pro NFL P, or Major League Baseball PA here. Yes. And we both mentioned that we knew this was going to happen. We knew that we were going to see certain sides go in and say, oh, the greedy players. Because yep. that's the easy way to do it. It's always the easy way to attack the players who people tend to think are making more money. It's because we as individuals think that we could be Max Scherzer, but we probably can't ever be the guy who owns the team. No. And the likelihood is we can't be either. No. But we all put the glove on and threw the ball with our dad and did certain – played ball, you know, and and that could have been us. And yeah, no, these guys should enjoy that they're playing a kid's game for this amount of money when really what they're asking is they're asking to participate in the labor force where their bosses are making – Upteen more money than they are. Well, and it's no different than than you know uh, collectively bargaining at in, in, Starbucks in a Starbucks or a factory or anywhere else. Yeah, you know the the workers, regardless of the workplace, are the ones that are sacrificing their time, their body, their mental capacity to do whatever needs to be done. And the owners reap the benefit of that. And yes, the owners created systems and whatever to get the productivity out of it, but without the employees, without the players, you don't have any of it. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, I mean, I, I just, yeah. What we did find out today, Wednesday, as we're recording this, because it comes out Friday, but we found out is that if the major league owners have said that if, a, if a, an agreement is not in place by the 28th, mm -hmm. the end of the month, that there will be a delay to the regular season. And so the 28th, just for people who don't like calendars, it's next Monday. Yeah. 
So if you're listening to this on Friday, it's Monday. So, and this is not getting done by the end of the weekend. No, it's if, not. If they're arguing over little pieces, there's no way they're getting the big pieces, like the, the luxury tax. And it's coming down to really a couple things. It comes down to players don't like the teams are tanking. Correct. We've talked at length on here about how many teams are tanking. It was it was half the goddamn league in 2020. Yeah. Um, they don't like that. They don't like that the the roster rules as far as um, player service time and manipulation of service time. So those two, those I think are the two things that if if Major League Baseball wants to get back the players back on the field for the beginning of the season. Those are the two ideas, the areas they could address the easiest. The lottery is a decent idea, but put eight teams in there, put 10 teams, put every team that's not making the expanded playoff. in there. They're not yeah. arguing about the universal DH. We can they argue did. about that as baseball fans, but they're not arguing about that in that negotiation. No, no, they're, but again, they're, they're not arguing about anything or any rules on the field. Something like that, make it worth it to the yeah. owners to have them feel an impact. Yeah, especially since really and truly one draft pick in baseball, one, even if you had the number one overall pick in baseball, that is not a certainty. And not like it, it is in football and basketball. And it even in football or basketball, but given that, most number one draft picks at least do two to three seasons yeah. in the minors. I don't know what I'm, I'm pulling that out of my ass, but yeah. there is some, some time in the farm system where you are not even sniffing the major leagues. Yeah. yeah it is very rare that anyone, I mean, the rarity, okay. The last person to come from the number one pick or even come from the draft to play that same season was a few years ago as a pitcher for the Tiger. It was Casey Mize. No, I'm sorry. It was not Casey Mize. It was before that. It was I'm back a few years now. I'm trying to look this up as I'm doing this, which is really bad to recording. But I'm not going to find it now. But it so, was a few years ago, there was a player who was drafted and then he went to double A because he was a four-year college starter. Went to double A, pitched for a month, ended up pitching a couple games in a playoff. Right. It's so but, rare, though. And an idea. I got the number one picks up here right now. These are the look, last few number one picks. And I would just note you noted he pitched in the playoffs. playoffs he yeah. was coming in in a very specific yes. scenario. Yeah. Um, to have anyone who's sniffing the majors right now are these uh-huh. number one picks. Uh, the 2021 um, Henry Davis, the catcher for the Pirates, he's uh, he was in he's in the minors, so he's not coming up anytime soon. Uh, Spencer Torkelson, who went to Arizona State, um, he he was number one overall pick in 2020. He's not in the he's not in the majors yet. Adley Rutschman, the catcher from Oregon, Oregon State, who's the Orioles, will be this year. But he's one of those guys that'll have his service time manipul- manipulated. Right. And I know for, you know, Kansas City Metro folks, Bobby Witt Jr. is someone of interest that they've been looking at for the last year, year and a half. Yeah. Bobby Witt Jr. is the number one. Last year, he was the number one ranked MLB prospect. He was not a number one overall pick, but his service time has been manipulated where he should have been playing for the Royals last season. He should have. 
Now, if you go back to these number one overall picks, the go to someone who's currently in the majors, uh-huh. you to go back to 2015 to Dansby Swanson of the Braves. That's seven years. Yeah. Now, Rutschman will be a star with the, with the, with the Orioles. And I don't know about the other two. I mean, the, the last two. But the thing Casey, that Mize, is- Casey Mize is expected to be a good player with the Tigers, a pitcher. He's not there yet. Here, here twins isn't there yet. Mickey Maniac has washed out and he was number one overall pick. This is what I say. So, I have a lot of friends who follow recruiting both in basketball and football on the college level and the draft boards to insane amounts. It does not matter where you fall in any of those rankings until you can actually play. Yes. And play consistently. That's why I think the idea of the draft, I think it's one of those, like, or a lottery. I think it's, this is something the owners should use against the players. This is something where the owners should say, yeah, we'll put every non-playoff team in the draft. We'll do the same exact way the NBA does. And it would help with the the idea of tanking. And it's an easy forgiveness. That's an easy one. That's an easy card you could play if you're the owners and they haven't done that i'm like what are you stupid fools doing i mean it's just i see that now i'm looking at lsu pissing away this lead right now too unsurprisingly yeah sorry it's just ridiculous i i look at that and i go well i mean that's just that that one's too easy almost um when it's one of those i i think that some of it just comes into ego and money that I would imagine the major market owners are just like, no, we don't want to do that. Right. And so all the mid and small market owners are like, well, we don't have a choice. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just, I, I think this, I think if you put regs, regular people in the room and just said, get it done, you can get it done. Sure. No, That's I would be easy. really interested to see the dynamic between, you know, the top, six, 10 MLB teams versus everyone else and how the push down comes. I have read that the owners aren't even all on the same page because a lot of these owners don't give a shit about draft picks. They don't give a shit about the luxury tax. They just want to go out there and buy players and get gold. And and you have the, you have the haves and the have nots. Sure. And we got half the league tanking. We've got 10 teams trying to be competitive in that they can't even get on the same page. So how do you expect for MLB and the players association to get on the same page? Fair. The players association seems to at least have their shit together. They've said, Hey, we're here for, we're not here for the Max Scherzer keeps saying it over and over. Anytime he's in front of a microphone and the athletic can say all they want about him pulling up in this goddamn Porsche. It was not the athletic. It was the associated press. Associated, I'm sorry. The AP says it's about him pulling up in his Porsche. Meanwhile, you know, they don't tell my guy come out with Bentley. You know, it's it's always going to be the narrative of the rich players. And yeah, no, the and they've made it very clear. The players associates made it very clear they're in this fight for the rank and file. Exactly. And the idea of the entitled player, I think, at this point needs to go to the wayside. I, I think so too. I think that's yeah. But I do think the reason we don't see that is because that's the easy one for us, the fan to not like. Oh, absolutely. It, it's yeah. just, we've all, we've all been taught that over, over generations and years. Oh my God, this guy's first, it was, oh my God, Ryan Sandberg's making $3 million a year. 
you know? Love Rhino. I do too. And now we've got, you know, again, Mac, uh, Mac Surgeon is over 40 million bucks a year for three and that's, years. And people right. are going, oh my God, no one should make that much money. Hey, I went and saw Elton John a couple months ago. He's making a million bucks a night on his tour. Well, it's not even that. You look at the top CEOs of any top 100 NASDAQ or Dow listed company. They're making it's ridiculous. ridiculous. Yeah. I saw that Jamie Dimon, the head of JP Morgan, made something like 58 million last year. And it's not, I mean, for them, it's a little bit different because it's not their upfront salary. It's It's their deferred compensation and the golden parachute that when they leave, they're walking away with hundreds of millions of dollars. And that's the thing is that it's, we have to get away from this idea that people who are especially talented, Mm -hmm. who are football players, baseball players, basketball players, that they're not worth it. They are worth it. They are. I mean, these sports franchises are printing money. They are, and people who are, you know, providing that lifeline, they have a short lifespan. Yeah. So, Pam. I got to show you something here real quick. All right. You got to walk around my desk. Look what got delivered in my office today. You got the gigantic trunk club box. This thing is a monster. I it is huge. I was shocked. Dollars. Yeah, it is like it's a cube. It is a foot and a half tall by a foot and a half wide, a foot and a half square. Let's call it. No, I cube. would fully there's, there's, agree. There's ten things in there. So, you know, we talk a lot on here about trunk clubs. So we're going to give them some props real quick because I just got my new trunk, and um, I'm going to open it here. I'm going to open it tomorrow. I'm not going to have time tonight to do it. We're did done. you do um, the preview on the app that you I can did. switch some stuff out? I, I did. And I took like four or five things out. Okay. And I let them add a few things. We had a good time with that. And uh, I think I'm going to go ahead. I usually I'm going to do quarterly. Uh-huh. I'm going to go ahead and do one in March. And I think I found what I'm going to do. I'm going to do the winter activewear trunk. I just oh, saw nice. it on trunkclub.com. So. Okay. If you're in the app, we always say download the app, check it out. While you're listening to us, go to the show notes. In the show notes, there's going to be a little link in there. You can save 50 bucks on your first trunk. It's really great. It's really cool. So I'm looking at the winter activewear when this has got like a quarter zip, a stocking cap, a Nike t-shirt, a couple pairs of shoes, uh, a sweatshirt, some some activewear, like some shorts and some um, uh, like like uh dogging pants kind of thing okay yeah so yeah. Like, things like like that it's and again you get to preview it you get to choose your sizes choose your budget there's some really cool stuff in there we want everybody to check it out i'm a user again i got my new box right here so i'm just excited as can be because i don't shop so adding in my wardrobe is always fun and we are about to hit the change of season so it's going to be a great time for people to refresh things yep so check out the link in the show notes. Go in there while you're listening to us, while you're listening to us right now. Go in there, check it out, click on it, follow it, join Trunk Club, use our link, save 50 bucks, and freshen up your wardrobe. You can still get winter stuff. Spring stuff will get added real soon. So you'll have all the different spring trunks coming. And the trunks are picked for you. There's some kind of um, 
different ones they have that are kind of fixed ones. They're not the same stuff, but they, they take some of your stuff, your ideas as well. Um, that's one thing I did really like. I was going through, I took some stuff off. Yeah. And then at the bottom, it asked me on the app, you can upload pictures of things you want. Oh, nice. And okay. they'll, like, they'll try to find something similar. I mean, they may not have the exact one. If you want, you know, an Adidas hoodie, they may not have that, but they may have something similar. So I thought that was kind of cool. I didn't use that option yet, but I'm going to probably try that down the road. So nice. Uh, get on there and try that out. Check out Trunk Club. Again, link in the show notes, $50 off. It's really a cool deal. So we're going to take a little break here. Ellen's going to sit aside for a few. We're going to bring in uh, Hayden Fallock. He and I are going to talk a little AEW and WWE. We're going to talk about what all is going on there. A lot of news in that world. And they will come back and E, you'll be good with talking some football. We're going to focus on the Chiefs today a little bit. Absolutely. We've got some things to wrap up, don't we? Yeah. So we're going to focus on that. So hang loose with us for a few minutes. Uh, enjoy. Hayden and I will talk. We'll be, we'll be on the flip side here and then we'll be right back. Hey, we're going to welcome in uh, our good friend here, Hayden, uh, Hayden Fallick, Hayden Fallick, uh, Pro Wrestling Historical Society. Hayden, there's a lot going on in wrestling. First off, how are you doing today? You doing all right? I'm doing great. Yeah, it's been a, been a great couple of weeks. So excellent. Well, thanks for coming back in. I sure appreciate it. And I uh, want to get you in here for a few minutes, kind of uh, interlude here in the middle of today's pod to uh, talk about what all's going on. This is this is the exciting time in wrestling. So you have usually we talk about the road to WrestleMania. You know, WWE kind of pulls that out, but AEW has a big uh, pay per view coming up called Revolution. A lot yep. of cool stuff happening there. A lot of interesting things happen in the wrestling world. So uh, as we're recording this, it's Thursday morning, uh, the twenty fourth. So we are a day removed from uh, AEW. Um, uh, dynamite and we are just before well we're a week well we're a week after elimination chamber for wwe now right and so it looks like we've got our main event for wrestlemania now it's going to be brock lesnar versus roman reigns again yeah <laughs> yeah I, I could live without that yeah I, so first off who's going over who's winning i don't know I, I think, probably roman i think it's roman. probably roman because yeah Here's the problem. I mean, I think one thing is about Brock is that Brock works when Brock wants to work. And I think, you know, Roman is really the guy that's the face of the company and they've wanted him to be the face of the company for a long time. He sort of took a, an interesting route to get there, but I think Roman goes over. Um, I have no idea who knocks off Roman. Um, no, I don't either. I have no clue. Uh, but that's that's clearly where they're going. Yeah. So we were talking about this briefly. Let's um, before we got started, we were talking briefly about some things, and kind of getting our ducks in a row here. And they're they the WWE is really not doing a good job of of building new characters, building new um, legends, if you will. We were talking, you and I were just talking off the air about. You mentioned you said, what are they going to do in twenty years when it's Legends Night again? Uh, there's nobody to bring back. Nope. And I, I, we brought this up because there's a, a big thing now about, you know, Cody Rhodes is leaving AEW, some rumors about him possibly going to WWE. Um, we'll get to there in a second. But really and truly, is there anything outside of Roman and Brock that's even a little bit interesting about WrestleMania? Well, 
I mean, Stone Cold Steve Austin and uh, and Kevin Owens. I yeah. mean, but but the the thing about that is, is that, again, we're bringing out a fifty seven year old man, yeah, uh, to wrestle the safest wrestler in the world, <laughs> and you know, there's they're not still not building anything. Do you, does anybody really think that Kevin Owens is going to come out as a bigger star because he's supposedly getting the rub against Steve Austin? No even though he'll probably do the job for Steve Austin. Yeah. I mean, he's going to lose to Austin. You got to have Austin win. Yeah. This is brought, he's being, Austin's being brought in to sell tickets. Yeah. It, it, gonna, well, they're they, going to have an empty Jerry world. They don't bring in something. Yeah. They've, there. they've sold out. I think, I think the last time I, the last thing I heard is they sold like 57, 50,000 tickets or 57,000 tickets out of a possible 200,000. Yeah. Um, it, it, and they're offering two for ones now. So you get, yeah. you get two for one, which I mean, it's ridiculous. Yeah. I know everybody likes to talk about the amount of money that WWE makes, but that's because of television rights. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so the, but the actual product has not been good. Not for a while. They, it's starting to show. Um, will it affect the television rights? No. Do they care? Probably not. So I, I just, I don't think they care anymore. Um, we were talking about, you know, maybe there's maybe there's a sale coming. I, you know, and we've talked about this before. Yeah, I, I could see that. I don't I don't know that that's necessarily what they're focusing on right now. And I don't want to say, yeah, they're probably that's probably it. But it's pretty clear that something is not right. I don't know if it's Vince. I mean, this NXT 2.0 thing is ridiculous. It's terrible. Um, you know, it's it's on my list to talk about, too. Yeah, God. Well, let's, really do, let's talk about the Austin thing real quick. All this right. Is so I, I'm a, I was a huge Steve Austin fan, just like most people. And that's, that's right in our era. You know, that's right. You right. At our age, that's our early twenties. Yeah. But that's just something right there, right? Yeah. We're in our, we're in our forties, late forties. And yeah. you're bringing back the guy from really, I mean, if, if you look at it, I mean, it's almost 30 years ago now. Yeah. So this is, so it's ridiculous. Anyway, go on. Yeah. Steve Austin's <laughs> last match was at WrestleMania 19. Now, this is WrestleMania, what, 38, 37, yeah. 38? I don't remember. Yeah. Which one. Yeah. So we're yeah. looking 19 years. Yeah. Now, he is the one guy that rode off in the sunset. He was the one guy never made the comeback as far as in the ring. You know, he's done a couple of appearances and whatnot, but they've obviously dangled big enough a check this time to, to get Steve Austin to actually wrestle. Um, I think putting him at Kevin Owens is a good idea. You got to worry about the man's health. And yeah. I think Kevin Owens is about the safest option. He's also someone if you could have a couple of microphone moments, you, you know, he, he can go with Austin. It'd be all right. He but, wrestles the right style too. He wrestles that sort of brawling style. Yeah. You know, he's he like I say, he's really, really safe. I mean, if he yeah. was against like say Brock, he Brock would kill him. Yeah. I mean, he'd drop him right on his head. Yeah, so, you would you would Roman, never see Austin versus yeah, against Lesnar or, or Roman. Um, but I think also the thing, I think you're right, you know. The, Kevin Owens will work a style with Steve Austin and be comfortable for Steve Austin. It'll be easy for him to do, and they should come out pretty well unscathed. But I think you you kind of mentioned it in passing. Does this help anybody? Nope. Other than just selling some tickets? No, because, okay, I don't know that there's a person in the world that thinks, number one, that thinks Kevin Owens is going to go over on Steve Austin. And number two, it's this is the situation, okay? So Steve Austin beats Kevin Owens, right? Yeah. Great. Kevin Owens got a WrestleMania main event where everybody knew he was going to lose. Okay. So that doesn't help him. Um, Second, but let's say Kevin Owens goes over on Steve Austin. Okay. 
great. But but that just means he beat a 57 year old man. Yes. So this this really doesn't benefit anybody. This is not going to build Kevin Owens into a bigger star. Okay. I, I don't. I mean, I guess he can go out there, you know, every promo he ever cuts and say, I beat Steve Austin at WrestleMania or I main evented WrestleMania or whatever. And and I guess that's a feather in his cap. It it actually kind of reminds me of um, Sergeant Slaughter winning the the WWF title, um, which, which, you know, they they wanted somebody to play like the Iraqi turncoat or whatever. Yeah. So they gave it to Sergeant Sergeant Slaughter basically volunteered because he knew he could never be, you know, WWE champion, Mm -hmm. WWF champion. So the thing with Kevin Owens kind of reminds me of that because it's like, well, Kevin Owens is never going to get a WrestleMania main event. No. So this is his chance. So he's going to jump at it. Yeah. Do you think this is what got Kevin Owens to resign with WWE? Hmm. Good question. I hadn't thought about that. Um, I mean, he was a, he had the maybe. option to leave just, just a matter of like three or four months ago. Yeah, maybe. Um, I don't know that they would have planned this that far ahead, but yeah, I could see that. I mean, um, it, it looked like it looked like in December that Owens and Zane were going to both leave and go to the AEW. Yeah, I, I could see that. Um, I mean, you know, who wouldn't want to wrestle Steve Austin in, in Austin's last match? But it doesn't just doesn't benefit anybody. It's great yeah. for you. It's a fun thing you can say yeah. you did. Yeah, and I, <laughs> you know, and he gets paid a lot of money. I mean, Kevin Owens getting paid yeah. a lot of money now. He's one of the top guys, and, and as far as getting paid, but I too mean, bad they don't do anything with him. No, it is too bad. I. I like Kevin Owens. I like Kevin Owens. I think he looks like me. <laughs> a little bit. He he does. I mean, I don't bit. have a beard like that. I mean, but he he's a he's, he's a fat guy. He's not real tall. He's athletic. He's more athletic than I've ever been. But yeah, you know, I'm also about 15 years older. So, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I I kind of root for him because he looks like me. He's out there in basketball shorts. And well. And, and that was the opportunity that they hold all the fat rolls in too. That was the opportunity that they lost with him though because. Like Kevin Owens should should have been, I mean, he was a killer when he's on the Indies, but I mean, he should have been that guy. If they're gonna make him, give him a character in WWE, he should have been that guy that looks like your best buddy, that you know gets off the couch and goes and kicks somebody's ass. Yeah. But that's totally not what they did with him. Um, they had him feud with Sami Zayn and they burned that out. They actually kind of screwed it up because it was way better in Ring of Honor. Um, but it, it just it, like. He got over for a while, but it never really, he never really caught on there. He, he was kind of in that tier right under the superstar tier, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, that's great for him. I'm, I'm, I'm happy for him. I think he's a really great worker. He's a really great personality. I think he's completely underutilized and has been for years, um, but I'm not sure this is going to do him any, any good. Yeah. All right. We're going to um, moving on here. Okay. So the biggest, um, I don't want to say the biggest news, but one of the big things popped up in the last couple of weeks has been the first kind of AEW defection. When we talked, you know, I talked, you know, months ago, maybe even longer than that, when AEW became a thing, they had, you know, the Young Bucks, Kenny Omega, and Cody as their, their uh, executive vice presidents, all working with Tony Khan here. And now we get the first executive vice president to leave, and it's Cody. First off, is it a surprise that he's the first of the four to leave? No. See, no, not at all. Yeah, he, to me, he, it was pretty obvious he'd be the one. Um, is there any chance this is a work? No. Okay. Initially, I thought it totally was. You know, initially, I would have said that too, but um, maybe there's something going on. But no, it's not. It's definitely, definitely not a work. 
Okay. The other one I got for you on the Cody thing is um, he's going to WWE, it looks like. Uh, that would be my guess. Yeah. Yeah. Is he going to get – is what is going to happen with him in WWE? Is he he's I don't not going to get used right? I don't even know that he – you know, we mentioned off the air, you and I talked briefly about it, and we said that, you know, you mentioned that slotting is a big deal for Vince McMahon. He kind of has who his favorites are, who – his top guys are he's not going to bring Cody in to make Cody one of these top, top stars. No. And you know, there, there's a few exceptions like, like Drew McIntyre is a great example of this, but typically when WWE releases somebody and they bring them back, they have an idea about where that person is supposed to be on the roster, what level they're supposed to be at. The best example is probably John Morrison. I mean, he went everywhere, right? He went to, um, he went to impact. He was the champion. Yeah, yeah, he was a top guy everywhere. Lucha Underground, all these places, right? He came back and he's the Miz's sidekick because that's yeah. where he starts, where he was before. Um, you know, I, I don't, I would guess they'll try to do something with Cody. What's more interesting is if he signs with WWE, what, what happens with Cody a year from now? Yeah. Because I could see them signing him and I could see them signing him and giving him a push because they want to send a message to the AEW wrestlers. Yeah. But, you know, that, hey, you can come over here and we'll do something with you. Um, you will get a push. Now, that being said, there's another problem with that, which is that with a possible exception of MJF, all of the top AEW wrestlers have either something against WWE or um, they w- they have stated multiple times that they never want to work there. Cody's not one of those. So, you know, I, I don't ever see, say, the Young Bucks going to WWE or I don't see, um, well, I, I really, I maybe Jericho, but he's not really a top guy anymore. I, I would never see, I would never see hangman page going over there. Um, maybe MJF, but I, yeah, I kind of doubt see, that. I can see hangman page being in WWE. Nah, cause I, I mean, couldn't see him. Cowboy being wrestler? I couldn't see him being uh, the, 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 the guy that's headlining WrestleMania. They don't understand his character, honestly. I don't you know think that millennial AEW cowboy. I don't think they get it. I don't think AEW always gets his character. Either. Eh. They you know what though? The, the AEW, but the AEW people that, that are in charge of it, they relate to that character better than I would agree with the that. 70 agree. year old men at, at, at WWE. Well, I, mean, I, would just, I, mean, I think the guy making the decisions at WWE right now created doesn't know what the fuck he's talking about anymore. Yeah. They all, Vince, none is of them do. Vince is lost. Vince has lost it. Bruce Pritchard has lost it. Kevin Dunn has lost it. Yeah. I'm not sure how much um, creative contr- input like Nick Khan has, um, but you know, I, their I, I writers have lost it. I don't think he does either. I, I think he just handles the business part of it. I so. think Nick Khan's there for two reasons to get as much money built in that pot as possible and then to sell it. Yeah. I think that's probably about right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think Nick, I don't think Nick Khan even knows who everybody on the, on the WrestleMania roster is. I'm not sure that Vince McMahon does, to be honest with you. Yeah, you may be right. Uh, he knows who Braun Breaker is. That's for sure. <laughs> he knows who Braun Breaker is. He knows who. Uh, it, he knows who Brock is. Yeah. Uh, um, he might yeah. know who Cody is. As Cody's, you know, uh, Cody. That's po- Dusty's son. <laughs> yeah, that's God that's Dusty's it. kid. Yeah. God damn. God damn. Uh, <laughs> uh, I think. Uh, okay. Oh, one more on the AEW, and like we have Cody going over. Jim Ross's contract in soon. Yeah. Uh, he agreed to set a two-year deal. He's 
coming up near the end of his contract. Do we see Jim Ross walking into the sunset? Or I, he is, there's times where, and I watched Dynamite this last night, and there are times where he is very apathetic on what he's doing. You can just tell. There's times where he's really into it, and then there's times where it's like, this is garbage. I think Jim Ross stays for as long as Jim Ross wants to stay. I would agree with that. I mean, I don't see him leaving anytime soon, especially, I mean, look at it this way. You know, he's working with his family. I mean, Tony Schiavone is like his favorite person ever to work with. Yeah. Um, You know, that he's got all the guys that, that he's called over the years kind of around him, Um, you know, except for Steve Austin. So, but, but I mean, everybody else is around him. So he stays for exactly as long as he wants and no longer. I think that he will resign. I think, I think even if they didn't pay him, he would stay there. I mean, to be honest with you, I mean, he's not getting big money. Yeah. Um, I got to say, you know who I'm coming around on? Mm. I'm coming around on Excalibur. Oh, yeah. He's a good announcer. I think he's, I think he's a real good announcer. Here's the only take I have on him now is when he just yells a move name. Yeah, that's annoying. It, he yells like the Japanese version of a name, and it's like, you know, Fujinaki, sit down, power. It, it's like, whoa, 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 you just said six things there, and I don't know, and nobody else knows the fuck you're talking about. Other than that, I think he's really become very capable. Yeah, he's a very good announcer, actually. Yeah. I don't, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't like vote for him for announcer of the year or anything. No. And a uh, but, year ago, I would have been like, get this guy to fuck off my TV. Yeah, but I I, I like I, I'm liking him more. I wish I really like when Taz is doing some of the announcing because he, he gets these technical things over, which is very interesting. Yeah. Um, and, you know, he's got storyline reasons for why, say, somebody can pin somebody one, you know, Jake Roberts, for example, could pin somebody with a DDT, but you know, somebody else couldn't, I mean, it, it's, you know, he, he provides a level of realism, but yeah. Excalibur is kind of, yeah, it has gotten really good. Um, you know, certainly, and, and I'll say this, there is not one single announcer in AEW that is worse than anybody on WWE. Um, I agree. Their announcers are garbage. Bad. It's Corey bad. Graves. is just great on my ears, man. Yeah. Um, I don't watch um, WWE shows with, well, first of all, I, I fast forward through them. I don't watch the whole show. And, yeah. And then I don't listen to the announcers. Yeah. I don't know how that. Now I will say this, Corey Graves. Um, this has been a big thing. I've been, I've been talking about on like message boards and stuff. I don't understand how Corey Graves won the worst, uh, worst announcer of the year award in um, wrestling observer year end awards. I didn't vote for him. I voted for uh, Adnan Verk because he was there for like three months. and He was so bad. They fired him. Yeah. But you know, I mean, whatever. Ed Don Burke's got a great podcast, by the way. He does, yeah, he does have a great podcast, but his he was a horrible announcer. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think Ed Burke was someone that uh, – I don't think that they were on the same – he and WWE were on the same page what they want. No, absolutely not. Yeah. No. Uh, yeah, there is one announcer that I do like in WWE. Who? And that is um, um, uh, Pat McAfee. Oh, of course. Pat McAfee's great, yeah, but, Pat McAfee. but you know what? Pat McAfee, I don't even count because he's not really a, yeah. I mean, he's, he's a regular announcer, but I mean, he's got his own thing going on. Yeah. Yeah. I he think, can say whatever he wants. He didn't, what are they going to do? Fire him? He's I, think he's, just, show. I think he's trying to sometimes. I think yeah, he's I, trying to like to, to do something to be more exciting and push the envelope. And 
if he gets fired, he's going to be like, oh, well, fuck it. I yeah, that's exactly right. The dollars to go do my podcast and my show. Yeah. Um, I do like McAfee. It, it goes to show that you could do some things if you let some guys be, the, be themselves. True. And uh, that's always the, been true. I though. love the McAfee thing where he jumps up on the on the on the desk when Nakamura comes out. Yeah, and he's dancing. I just think that's hilarious to me. I, uh, he ought to be in like Nakamura's manager or something. I, yeah. Um, okay. Um, last night, did you watch Dynamite? I haven't seen it all yet, but we can talk about. Everyone's talk talking about, about one thing from Dynamite last night. Yeah, the MJF promo. MJF's promo, which I thought was incredible. Yeah, it was great. Um, I'm a I'm an MJF fan. I think he's yeah. the best thing going in all of wrestling today. Yeah. And number one best thing, if I had to, I mean, if if I was going to pick the number one PWI wrestler in the entire world, it would be MJF. Sure. This guy believes his character. He is that character. I'm wondering after last night, this promise, what he did is he came out and basically did a bad guy origin promo of, I mean, this is like how a Batman villain was made, blaming CM Punk for why he is the asshole that he is. And he tells a story about he was a young man in high school who was bullied because of his, it was being, being, being Jewish. And was trying to find acceptance through playing in athletics, through football. And he tells this sad story. And he says, well, then he says, but what made it right, made me feel better was I knew this particular day I was going to meet CM Punk. This is a week after CM Punk showed a picture of he with MJF and said that to you, this was everything. To me, it was just Friday. And MJF said, you know, hey, it was everything to me and basically said in his promo in a great way, because of you, I am because the way you left all of us, I am who I am. This is like how the Joker becomes the Joker. is the way sure. that I thought of it. it was really well done. I only have one problem with this is that if they come back in a month, six months, even a year from now, and he says, it was all bullshit, I did it to get him in the ring, then it ruins the entire program. Um, I, I, I don't know if I agree with that 100% because, first of all, MJF is a heel, and that was a very sympathetic promo. Yeah. I mean, the best, the best villains, of course, you know, they have their own motivations. They're a little bit twisted in their head. Yeah, that's um, what it but, was here. But that was a very sympathetic promo. Uh, in, in a lot of ways. Now, some of the things MJF said, it, it, they smack of truth. Now, one thing I will I will point out is that he couldn't have been bullied that much because, um, I mean, or he couldn't have felt that bad. And, and football wasn't his only thing because he was on the Ellen show singing, you know, at yeah. one point. So, yeah. but, and I think everybody knows that story. But I mean, the rest of it had that sort of smack of truth that actually reminded me, and I told you this before, but it reminds me of uh, the Chris Jericho, Shawn Michaels thing. Um, yeah. And, yeah, I really liked that promo. Um, I don't know if if he comes back and says it was bullshit later. It does make him into a bigger heel because people do have a little bit of sympathy for him at this point. Um, but we'll see. I mean, it adds a different dimension to his character for sure, which is interesting. 
I just wonder how they're going to take this because now he is more sympathetic. Um, you go into this big match the two of these two are going to have, you know, CM Punk versus uh, MJF in the dog collar match. I think it's part of a cool idea. Um, I, you do this thing and you say, well, now some of that, it's almost like it took some of the hatred away in a way. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I could. Yeah, I mean, a little bit. Yeah, so you know, I, they they could have made it. They could have gone a much easier route. I mean, honestly, yeah. they could have gone a much easier route, and and it it would have been. But I think I think what they're trying to do is give this feud more, you know, more of a dimension than just you're my idol and now I hate you and now yeah. you know now I have to beat you because I, I mean that could be everything. Yeah, and this MJF. is not going to be this is not going to be their last match. Oh no, this is going to go no. for a while. Yeah, and I think well. I think it'll go for a while, but one of the things is is that they're building. It's clear that they're building MJF to be the next champion. Oh yeah. So, I, I don't know how much longer they can go with him and and CM Punk when they really need to start building him against Hangman Page, and the only way to do that is to get him against uh, legit contenders. Now, I mean, you got Adam Cole versus Hangman Page at Revolution. I, I don't think there's a person on earth that thinks that Adam Cole is winning. No, so, yeah, so I think that's the only that, you know, that's the only viable option. So I, I would guess that he beats Punk here. Um, and then, you know, they start building him for that. But and then later, maybe we might see a Punk MJF championship match is what I would guess. OK. I also oh. think there's going to be definitely something going on with like, you know, Moxley and Danielson and, and uh, Daniel Garcia. And, and we'll see some of that happening as well and maybe punk gets involved with that group yeah yeah I, I, it's gonna be interesting i i, I think you let this thing ride for a little while and then i mean i think you would target what it will it be double or nothing that they have you know is that, is that where they're kind of penciling in the idea of mjf versus um versus adam page or, or i don't know be, or will it be the will it be the you know what they traditionally call all out like I think it depends. I think it depends on what happens in the next, you know, few, in the next few months. There's a lot going on in the, you know, kind of in the background. Um, Kenny is still rehabbing. You know, we got to have a, we got to have a return match with Kenny Omega. You've got, and I, I think they would be remiss to not have, you know, some sort of a rematch there. Um, You've got whatever Tony Khan's big announcement is. Who knows what that is? That was my next question to ask you. Yeah. Um, I I don't know what that is. Um, He says it's a really big deal. And he also says that it's not a, it's not a, he he says it's not a wrestler coming in. He hasn't said it so many. He says it's different than what we've done before. I didn't know if it had to do with them announcing it. I I was going to ask, was it had anything to do with the announcement of, um, the all out or not all out the uh, double or nothing in Vegas thing. Um, I don't know. Maybe they just announced all that last night. So I didn't know if that was what it was, but I don't know. Maybe I, they, they I, I really don't know that the Tony Khan is announcing this thing. Kind of thing. I, I, I have no idea what he's going to announce. I, I, I poked around a little bit, see if I could find something out, but nobody knows. Yeah. So I don't know. It's a yeah. good question. Um, on the MJF thing, MJF and punk. So you, th- you figure MJF's going over again. Yeah, I, I don't see anybody beating MJF until we get to Hangman. Okay. And then um, and then Moxley and, and Brian Danielson now have a match. 
So this is more of just building them. Yeah, you know, that's a really out. weird deal that they're doing. They're doing something with with him and with those two and, and Daniel Garcia. And I mean, I think Ooh. go ahead. I think they'll have I think what they'll do with them is is I think they'll eventually have some sort of a stable. Okay. Um, I don't know who they feud with. There could be any number of people. Um, but you know, they love stables in AEW. So I, I could, yeah, and, and those, those three do. guys are not in a stable. Yeah. So, so I could definitely see that. I mean, could that be Punk's next feud? Yeah, that could be, I could, I could definitely see that. Okay. Um, who is Daniel Garcia, by the way, I have seen him now. He's every just a great worker. He was an indie guy. He's an indie guy and he's really good. So okay. every time I see him, he loses. So. Yeah. Well, he was a, I mean that that when that's the whole thing on this feud is that they haven't they they he loses all the time and you know Danielson comes out and says well I'm going to train you how to be more violent and you know the the assumption with the implication that okay if you get with us I see that you have talent I'm going to make you into a winner yeah that's a pretty simple storyline right yeah. um, it's kind of the, it's it's kind of like the um, the it's I, I hate to compare it to this I know because yeah, this sounds bad, but it's almost it almost kind of reminds me of like the Red Rooster deal where oh, it's not where I thought you were going. Okay. No, it almost reminds me of the Red Rooster deal where Terry Taylor was you know a jobber, um, sort of on WWE TV, and then all of a sudden Bobby Heenan takes him under his wing. Now this is a much better, uh, more well written and uh, less career damaging. Yeah. probably career boosting idea for Daniel Garcia, but that's kind of the, that, but that's the same. It's the same storyline essentially okay. where I'm going to be your manager. I'm going to be your mentor. I'm going to train you to be a killer. Um, you're losing all the time. I will make you into a winner. Okay. Um, let's see here. I'm going to get my next couple of thoughts together here. Uh, oh, the, uh, the um, WWE did announce the undertaker is going to be the headliner of the hall of fame. Will yeah, be, so will he be the only person going in this year? You know, uh, I I don't think so, but I kind of and I cannot believe I'm going to even say this, but Bully Ray is right. If I was going to do it, um, I, I would say he should be the only person going in because he's yeah. going to overshadow anybody else. I heard that. I heard busted up. I listened to the busted open podcast a couple of nights, a couple of days ago, and yeah, I think Bully Ray was 100 percent spot on. I don't think that he was. As I heard his idea of you had he could bring in six or seven people to tell stories and this and that because they're going to do the Hall of Fame right after SmackDown, yeah, in the same arena, yeah. directly after on the on the same night on that Friday night. Before you're going to get better in Texas. I mean, to be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. I mean, you don't already have. Yeah, I mean, you got the Von Erickson, you got Steve Williams, Steve, you got Steve Austin. Yeah. So uh, I mean, who else are you going to get? Yeah. Undertaker's mm-hmm. the the next best guy. I guess you could yeah. get like. Stan Hansen, but I think he's already in too. Yeah, you're gonna put the Undertaker in, and you're gonna have him do a, you know, he'll do some kind of an appearance at WrestleMania just to get the crowd up, you know. Um, yeah, I almost he, thought that thing with Edge. Um, Edge said something like, "I, I want to be phenomenal," and, and I'm, I mean, everybody knows that's that's probably an AJ Styles reference, but yeah, um, I, I couldn't help think that maybe they do some of the Undertaker where he just comes in and gives a choke slam because I mean the Undertaker's called the Phenom. Right. Yeah, I thought the same thing too for a second, but I, I don't think he's. Gonna, I don't can't see that happening. I think it's done. I think he's done. Done. I think that yeah. he's walked away. I mean, he he said in the end of the last ride, uh, which if you haven't seen, if you've seen the last ride, 
Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, if, if you're listening, you haven't seen WWE's the last ride. It's sort of like the, what was the, what was the Jordan one? The, um, the last dance, last dance, but it was, yeah. it's the undertaker and they, they followed him for the last couple of years of his career. And then especially the last year, um, and he gets really personal and talks a lot about well, out of character, a lot of stuff he's never done before. I thought it was excellent. That was an excellent yeah. piece of work they did. It was one of the best documentaries they've ever done. Yeah. Um, but he made it pretty clear that he was done. He felt pretty good about where he was at. He did make the left the door cracked that if, if Vince needed him, he would consider it. But I just don't think that's what's going to happen here. I think this is the it's an easy way to have a one hour, you know, Hall of yeah. Fame. And it'd be yeah. all Undertaker all the time. Yeah, you can bring in all his opponents. I mean, yeah. you could bring in Shawn Michaels and Triple H and um, Kane. Yep. And oh. I mean, yeah. Who you could that? bring in a lot of people. I mean, you, you you know, and just have them all talk about the Undertaker. Ric Flair, maybe. Yeah. Well, Ric Flair. Um, right well, now, probably not Ric Flair. I wouldn't put actually. Ric Flair in front of a microphone right now. No, I probably not Ric Flair. I should have said I, that. And it, there's no bigger fan of Ric Flair on this podcast than I. I Hogan, maybe. You could put you could put Hogan in there. I mean, but but man, his Rick first Flair t- cannot be put in front of a microphone. Well, you can't you, you can't do anything with Ric Flair. In fact, I think Ric Flair is definitely on the uh, the the all time uh, um, doghouse list right now with WWE because of what he said about you know when when he broke up with uh, Wendy um, with Fifi the maid. Nobody called him from there, so I think he's kind of he's on the outs with. I think them. He burned the bridge before that. I think he yeah he's he said some really negative things about Nick Khan on the way out. Um, yeah, it's. He's. We'll talk about that another time. Yeah, I can um, see them bringing a Hogan. Uh, Hogan would be a good one. I don't know who else. Um, I almost want to say like Damian Demento, but I mean that dude's crazy. He's legit crazy. But he wrestled Undertaker on the very first main event of Raw. Yeah. So yeah. crazy, right? I think that yeah. I just think if you look at like the Undertaker, who inducts the Undertaker in the Hall of Fame? Mm, tough one. Honestly, the best person to do would be Vince McMahon. I 100% agree. Yeah, Vince McMahon would be the person I, I would say. That's exactly a, who it should be. He's one of the biggest special attractions they had in the last 30 years. You know, I, I'd, I'd say I'd just have Vince do it. Yeah, I really think that it, it has to be Vince McMahon. Yeah, you can have Brock talk. That's another one. <laughs> I don't know if you want. I really don't want to hear a 20 minute speech from Brock Lesnar, but I don't, okay. Uh, yeah. But, I can barely get through a, a minute and a half promo of Brock Lesnar right now. Yeah. Brock Lesnar is, is not been underrated that he was a Paul Heyman all those years. Oh, uh, he's gotten better. Uh, he has. He is very much improved. Yeah. But this new happy Brock Lesnar is not. Cowboy not Brock? Happy. I kind of like Cowboy Brock. I, but yeah, I don't know. It, it's I, can see why, I can see why you don't like it. Yeah. But I like Cowboy um, Brock. I don't, I don't dislike it. I just, I like Brock. Yeah. yeah. Um, by the way, is there anybody doing business better than Paul Heyman? We say this every time. No, of course it. not. He's like, the best. He's the he's the best promo in the in the business, except for you know, well, at least in WWE. I mean, I could make some uh, some arguments for MJF and um, some other people in AEW, maybe a couple others in AEW. But there, there there's there just really nobody isn't. on Paul Heyman's level. Not even in AEW. There's nobody. I I, I could maybe make an argument for MJF or Punk, but that's about it. Yeah, I mean they they have that get over level. Yeah, but man, maybe Eddie Heyman. Heyman makes you. Heyman 
is a different animal, and he can do it for anything and anybody. MJF true. Can do it for MJF. Punk can do it for that's Punk. true. That's true. Punk, Heyman Paul could, could take Heyman a pineapple and put, make you think you it's going to be Brock Lesnar. You could put Heyman with. Um, you could put Heyman with Kofi Kingston tomorrow, and he'd be one of the most over guys of all time. Uh, you know, and though, I, I don't know that that's true because when he had that thing with like Curtis Axel and, and yeah, that was a different that didn't really someone. work. I mean, you take someone who's got some talent. <laughs> Curtis Axel's very good worker, but not ever going to be that whole thing with him. They should have made him Mr. Perfect. Yeah, they yeah, son of per- I think they tried, it just never yeah. kind of went over. But whatever. um when I ask you about have you watched I giggle because I know the answer. Have you watched NXT 2.0? Oh god. You know what? I watched like five minutes of it and I turned it off. It, Braun Breaker's the only thing on there that I'd ever want to see. And that, that, I mean the, the whole show is awful. Can, I, I have this vision in my head when I've watched it. I've watched very little of it, but when I see it. A vomit? Is that the vision you have in your head? Because that's kind of what I think. The what? A vomit? You have a vision of your head of vomiting? What I I have a vision of is that Vince McMahon is 70, what, 76, 77 years old? And Vince is sitting there and he's sitting at his desk or he's sitting, I have him laying in bed watching the show. And he's going, what I want is something like, 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 like the ultimate warrior in 1982. And and I think that's what his vision is. It's like, it's like wrestling superstars. It's wrestling like he's talent. taken, it's like he's taken Scott Steiner's tights from 1991 and turned them into a show. That's yes. all I could think of. <laughs> oh man, and it's it, and Ron Breaker is his ultimate. He's wife. even got he's even got a Steiner on there, so it's perfect. Yeah. Oh, I, I, I will say there was that one girl. I, I mean, I've seen little clips where things are good. Um, what's her name? Tiffany Stratton, and she did that cool Vader bomb. I don't know if you've seen that. She's a Vader bomb, and it's a she's a Vader bomb, but it's a corkscrew. Okay. Which was cool. Um, I mean, I've seen little things like that, um, but I mean, most of it, it's just awful. It's hard to watch. I here's the pulling cores, but Dolph Ziggler into it yeah. now. And now they, yeah. at least he's wrestling Tommaso Ciampa. That's, I mean, you know, that's good. Yeah. Uh, the one that I tell you where I was done with this was they bring in Walter. I like Walter. Yeah. They, yeah. They, well, of course. Yeah. And they call and him Gunther. Is he? He's Gunther. Yeah. It was going to be a different name. You know that story, right? Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. He's going to name him after the uh, Nazi, but he was going to be like Gunther. Something made some name up, and then they someone googled the name and went, "Wait a minute, that was a Nazi U-boat captain or something like that." I just, you know, they they they, they're just going to take all the mystique out of out of Walter, and it's sad. Walter could be, Walter could be a guy who could wrestle Brock Lesnar. Sure, but so you know what? So could Keith Lee could have wrestled Brock Lesnar. Yes. They Absolutely. put over Keith Lee one time. They put over Keith Lee in uh, the Royal Rumble. He came out and Brock looked at him and says, who's this big motherfucker? Who's, who's Paul? Yeah, he kind of gave and, him a uh, like, whoa, you're a big man. You know? That's- yeah. And and, and they and they, they traded blows for a while. And, and you know, Brock didn't immediately knock him out like he did to everybody else. Yeah. And But but they did nothing with him, of course. Now, Keith Lee, you know, you, you hear constantly about Keith Lee having some other issues. But, yeah. I mean... They, but you know, he's another one that could have beat Brock, and they they didn't do anything with him. They didn't do anything with, uh, they've really done nothing with anybody that they could have that could have beat him. Um, you could have built up Matt Riddle, actually. Yeah. Uh, you could have built up. You could be building up Braun Breaker now. Yeah. You're not doing it. I mean, I just, I just think I would have Walter. Just first off, I'd keep him as Walter. 
Yeah. And then secondly, I would just have him march through everybody in that Artemis in, in 2.0. Yeah. You know, the problem is, is that he doesn't have the look that they like. No. He's a big no, dude. He's a but big he's not guy. Cut. He's a little bit flabby. He's not like, he's not like the like Roman Reigns in the middle. Yeah. Yeah. He's not cut. He's no. a big dude. He hits really, really hard. Yeah. And there's a lot of WWE wrestlers. I mean, you know, Brian Danielson said it years ago that they worked this kind of WWE soft style yeah. um, and they're not going to want to be in the ring with that guy. Yeah. Now, I have this fantasy about Sheamus and uh, or maybe and Drew or Drew McIntyre getting in the ring with Walter. That might be pretty good because those Since guys like to beat Nakamura. the hell out of each other. Yeah. Since Nakamura would be another good one. In Walter. Yeah. Those guys like Nakamura to, could go there. Yeah. They like to beat the hell out of each other. So it's another guy that WWE has done a really poor job with. It's Nakamura. This guy a horrible should, job. He, he, he won a Royal Rumble, Rumble and they did nothing. Yeah. They did nothing. He's, he, 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 he's, a, he's a legend. He's doing TV commercials in Japan. Everybody knows what the Bamaye is. And they, they, they did nothing with him. It's, it's horrible. He's a Hall of Famer. Yeah. He's one of the like all time greats. And he's over there collecting paychecks. He, his career in WWE is like Harley Race's career in WWE. Well, my, my theory is is kind of like that. Like, this is really his retirement tour. He doesn't care. Yeah, but he's just collecting checks. Yeah, yeah, he really doesn't care. I just, and that's a shame because he was so good. And it's not that he's not capable of doing that anymore. No, he it's not. Even work, he can even work I, a safer style than he did in New, in New Japan and still be really freaking over. This is what I would guess will happen with him is he'll He'll finish his contract or whatever. He'll decide he wants to retire. So he'll go and he'll do a tour with AEW or New Japan or somebody like that, just to kind of reclaim his legacy. And uh, and that'll be the end of that. Yeah. He goes to AEW, wrestles Punk and Punk and Danielson. And, and he'll wrestle they, Danielson. Yeah. Uh, I don't know who else. Uh, Moxley, maybe. Yeah. I mean, and then he goes to New fight. Japan like, and he, he fights Okada. He, and, and, yeah. He goes against Okada. Maybe, maybe get a, a Minoru Suzuki match if he does it yeah. quickly or Ishii. Yeah. Um, Okada. Another sheet match. Okada had a little uh, go back and forth on Twitter with uh, Punk. Yeah, it was no big deal, though. Okada is Okada. I think those two are going to be. I think that's going to happen eventually. I still think Okada will show up in AEW at some point. I I think that's going to be the all out. I think that that, I think the way you could stack all out would be MJF versus Page for the title with Punk and Okada. Yeah, I could see that. I, I I also think uh, John Moxley would want to wrestle him. Moxley has made it pretty clear that he wants to wrestle uh, some of the Japanese guys. Um, yeah. So, you know, I, I think we maybe we'll see that. Yeah. I don't know. Um, yeah, I, I can't speculate on that. They got to get through the New Japan. They got to get through this giant tournament they're doing in New Japan first. Where they got 48 guys and uh, then we'll see what happens. I don't know. I'm not familiar with that. What's going on there? Tell break that break that down for me real quick. Well, I mean, they've got the New Japan. They've got the the tournament that they that they do every year. Um, and they there's 48 guys and it's pretty much their entire roster at this point. And so, yeah, I mean, who knows? I mean, Ghetto likes to is booking it. So I mean, that's that's that. Okay. They, you know, it's it's usually a pretty big deal. Um, this is the and what is this called? This is the. Which tournament is this? The yeah, it's. Um, this, I'm looking. I'm trying to find. I'm actually looking at the roster right now. Oh, okay, never mind. Um, to see who's in there. Okay. I'm looking at the roster right now. Okay. They've. 
so I can, and I'll tell you. Yeah. It's, um, eh, where is it? But you're thinking after this tournament, we'll see some of those guys come over here to do some stuff with AEW. Yeah, I think so. Okay. Yeah, I think so. Too. I think that we're going to see, that's going to be sort of the thing that AEW does to, um, you know, kind of expand their footprint. Yeah, I think so. Um, I, I, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens there, but I think so. I, I, I can't, you know, they're going to constantly be working together. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, let me see. Oh, um, let, go back to WrestleMania we'll for a minute. So, so, yes. I'm assuming that Roman and Brock is the main event on Sunday. There's two nights. Um, no, I think they'll do Stone Cold and I think they'll do Stone Cold and, and, and Owens, honestly. Really? Yeah. Yeah, I was thinking it would be that that would be Saturday night. They would do that one with Charlotte and Rhonda, the same show. Yeah, maybe. Homemade events on Saturday. Because I would assume the Saturday show is going to be the harder one to sell tickets for. Yeah, maybe. I don't, I, I don't know. You know, I think they want to have a great big, uh, I think they want to have a big, um, uh, they want to have a big climax to the to WrestleMania, and that would be it. Yeah, I wonder. I, I I think the placing of these things is going to be interesting because the two nights it will be. It'll tell you where they. It'll it'll tell you where what they. Um, it'll tell you where how they view everybody. Let's put it that yeah. way. Do you uh, do you think this is the last time we see a two night WrestleMania? No, <laughs> no, for sure no. They're gonna um, have to go to a smaller venue if they're gonna do this. Yeah, no, 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 for sure, for sure, no. This, by the way, uh, did you ask me what the name of the tournament was for New Japan? Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's the New Japan Cup. Okay. Yeah, it's the New Japan Cup. Okay. Sorry, I was looking for the roster. It's pretty much their entire. I was looking for who is on here. It's it's pretty much the entire roster the of one, people. Is the, I get a couple things confused there. Is that the one that the winner gets a shot at a champion or something? Like, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um. <laughs> They have two things. They have that. They but they give the, they give the wow. they give sixteen of them a first round buy. Okay. And uh, I was just looking at this. I mean, you've got, um, but they always do some crazy stuff with this tournament. So we'll we'll see what happens. Are there any of uh, the wrestlers from over here in that? Any AEW guys in that, or no. anybody that's American that's over there in that? Or is it all? Um, I'm not not real. I mean, not not that's already on the roster. No, there's okay. no no surprises. Not for this tournament. Okay. Um. Yeah, I know. Like in the G one, we saw a couple years where Moxley was in the G one. Like in yeah, but Moxley was also wrestling for them at that point. Yeah, because yeah. he was the, he was the uh, U.S. champion. So yeah. I did, so I was curious about to see if anybody was going from maybe from Impact or from AEW or something like that. No, yeah. I was actually looking. I can't remember if Jay White is in the tournament. That's what I'm looking for yeah. now. I don't think he is though. You know, you had brought up this was you and I were kind of um, texting back and forth last earlier in the week. We we're talking about the Tony Khan um, I mentioned I thought maybe he was buying Ring of Honor. You said you didn't think so. You thought it was more likely he'd buy Impact. Do you think he'd buy Impact? Depends whether they'd sell it. I mean, who owns Impact I, now? Anthem. I, I would guess that. Yeah, I, I would guess that. Um, I, I would guess you know, given the chance, he, he might. He might. I, I don't know the reason. He's not very interested. He doesn't seem very interested in that kind of expansion. Well, um, I'm wondering the the reason I thought that he would be interested in either buying impact or in this case impact or ring of honor was that it would be it would give him uh something to add if he wanted to start some kind of a streaming service 
Well, I mean, that would be there would be a number of reasons why he might want to buy Ring of Honor's tape library, but it's not for sale. Um, A big one is because um, the original all in is included in that because that was really technically that was that was an ROH. uh, Yes, it was. um, Yes. Yeah. So technically, that was an ROH show. Um, I I don't I don't think that's going to happen. I mean, maybe I, I, I could. Was they have because they maybe, put so much, but I doubt it. Well, with AEW putting so much together with everything they do, with um, uh, they have they have dynamite, they have rampage, they have dark and elevation, all these other things to do on the YouTube stuff. It would be helpful for people to have it in one place. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing though. I mean, so yeah. the problem like, I've with- never watched an episode of Elevation or Dark. So here's the thing about it, though. I mean, the problem with something like WWE right now is you have to devote five hours every week to WWE or even more than that, if you want to watch NXT. Right. So you have to devote five, six hours to watching their shows. Plus, if they have a pay-per-view or whatever they're calling premium live event. Right. You have to you have to devote, say, four hours to watch the premium live event. That's a lot of time. Yeah. At least with AEW, you can watch you can watch um, Dynamite and you can watch Rampage and that's pretty much it. The other stuff, I mean, you've got you know Dark and Elevation and BTE and you know whatever. All that stuff is, is kind of peripheral. Like if you watch it, it's fine, you get it, you know. But it's not stuff. It's, there's nothing laid out there generally that isn't isn't explained on the other shows whereas wwe you have that you have this other problem and i think that's actually been a big problem with the wrestling fandom you know altogether is you can't expect people to watch you know nine hours every week which is essentially what wwe was doing for a while um with with AEW, it's three hours right that you really have to if, if you really want to follow the product it's basically three hours and i i don't see them buying anything else um, where they're going to add to that because Tony Khan knows that that's a lot. That's a lot of time. So, I mean, they're, they're, I don't think he would buy Impact. I mean, unless it was for some developmental reason, or I, you know, there's there's no money in that in doing that. Okay. I would, I ROH mean, I would, would ROH is, would have been an exception, but ROH is going on. They're doing their own thing. So, yeah. um, just curious. I just want to see your opinion on that. I'm curious to see what that's going to be like, and. and I, if it's not something like that, then I don't know what Tony's big announcement is going to be. I, I have no idea. I can't even speculate on that. Yeah. I don't know. I, I can, I've already told him that I can fix his football team. <laughs> I'm not going to fix AEW too. I can fix the football team. Yeah. They, they've already made a bad coaching hire twice, <laughs> twice in a year. So, yeah, I, I, I'm going to, so I've, I've said no more free advice to the Khan family from the O'Connor. <laughs> so, yeah. I, I told him not to hire, I told him not to hire Urban Meyer. Then I said, hey, you know, here's the guy you should hire. They didn't do it. We got somebody else. So no more. Free I'm advice. sorry. They should be listening to the podcast. They get advice on AEW <laughs> I, from me. They could get advice from the Jaguars you, on you. It'd it, be perfect. It, it, you know what? If, 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 if Tony Khan and if Shad Khan want to hire you and I, I'm sure. And we could do a much better job than some of the people they've got in place. Yeah. A couple of these. I agree. Yeah. I do think Tony Khan needs someone as far as booking. I here's my number one issue with Tony Khan's book. Can a match just end and it be done? 
Oh, they do that. No, I they mean, don't. I, yeah, they do. I, I they watched, do that. I watched three separate episodes of of of, um, uh, of Dynamite, and every single match had an afterbirth. Every it did happen again last night. Every single match. Yeah, but they're trying to. I mean, they don't do that on the paper. They don't do that on the pay per view yeah, because they're trying I, to. They're trying to further. They're trying to further it, angles generally on the TV show. So but what, but that's why. Can someone just win a match, and you go to the commercial? Or you go to the next segment. It doesn't. I, but they don't even. I mean, they've do never that. done any. I mean, no, no, no. Nobody's ever really done that, with the exception of like. I mean, this is a you know squash match. That's different. I mean, but I I can't think of any promotions ever ever not had some kind of a an aftermath after a uh, after a, a real match. Um, WWE certainly doesn't do that. I'm trying to think back to like to WCW. Well, I mean, I mean they all have. I mean, you're going to have some of that in every episode, absolutely. Yeah, but I mean, but every single match has it. Um, I mean, so think about like the squash matches, like the Serena Deeb challenge or whatever. Yeah. I mean, that doesn't have any of that. Um, you don't have. Uh, um, yeah, I don't they, know. You know, I'm, th- I'm trying to think of yeah, some of the other matches that. But yeah, not not always, not always. But but yeah. the, a lot of the time they do that. But so they, a lot of time they do that on all on all of them. I mean. Uh, you know, on, on every promotion, because it, you have to on TV. You have that's, to that's have, the point. I get that you have to do it on a lot of se- even a lot of seconds. You have to do it, but not every single. It, there are more times that I see that that because of what happens after the match, what just happened in the ring doesn't matter anymore. WWE mm-hmm. is guilty of that too. They do that a lot. But AEW on Dynamite does it on every. Well, it's match. but it's it's different though. So, like, I'll give you an example. There's there's a big difference. So AEW, what they'll do is, is yes, yeah, so somebody will win decisively, and that's it. This end of the match, and then they do some kind of angle afterwards. But the ang- but, but the difference is, is with WWE, what happens is, is that they do things like flash pins all the time, yeah. and that drives me crazy because it gets nobody over, and yeah. so you got a guy that wins. And then they do it, and then they beat him up at the end, I guess, to get his heat back. But they do that all the time. Yeah. Well, AW the is different. Go. go ahead. I'm sorry. No, AW is different. They'll, they'll, they'll have a decisive winner, and then they do something, you know, where maybe Taz comes out and is watching them, or, you know, they'll cut a promo afterwards, or, you know, whatever. Somebody will come out and do something, you know, do something afterwards. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. Nothing's decisive at all. In WWE, the difference that what they've done, and I think it's poorly done there as well. In WWE, when they do it, if someone catches a pin on somebody, the next week, two of them wrestle again, and it goes the other way. Yeah, but that's 50-50 booking. That doesn't work yeah. either. It doesn't work either. Uh, that's my biggest argument with WWE. I hate that no one's allowed to be anything. Yeah, though that, that, that's the problem. In, in, at least on AEW and on, on, on Dynamite is when you're watching that. At least they allow them to be who they are, whether it's the character or who they are as a person. But what does drive me crazy is that everything has to be an angle right after. It's let some things breathe, let some matches breathe a little bit. You know? and I disagree with you on the TV shows. I will say that I agree with that on the pay per views. Oh, that's where everything's well, supposed to end. Yeah. Well, and yeah, and I agree with that. But I think, it, and I'm not saying it has to be yeah. everything, but I'm saying that it has to be at least once a night. Mm. I mean, if it's a squash match, I yes. like I said, the Serena Deep but, thing is perfect example. Uh, people beating on the uh, beating on the Dark Order is another example. Sometimes you see that. Um, but, then we have, but then there's a save every time. 
Someone has to run mm. to the ring and save the Dark Order. And Not really, because they, they still they still lose the Dark Order now. I mean, what is What's that? that about? I mean, it's on well, the Dark Order is on the back burner. I mean, the Dark, you know, they, they don't push everybody all at once. So the Dark Order is so, on the back burner. Yeah, right and, now. And, and it's unfortunate I, because there was the, the Brody, uh, Brody Lee thing. All, and he, all he you passed. have to do with the Dark Order to rehabilitate the Dark Order is to bring somebody in that wins, that, that says, you know what, you guys are off track. You guys, since Brody died, you guys are off track. I'm going to bring you back. And then they start winning again. And then you've got the Dark Order in the, in the front. That's no big yeah. deal. I, I don't know if there's a, oh, okay. Did you watch? Did you watch the tag team battle royal last night? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Who's the little guy? The little bald guy. Which little bald guy? The little bald guy. There was only one little bald guy. He looks almost like a like a small person, but he's not a small person. He's a he's just a shorter person. I think he's in the dark order. Bald, kind of has a goatee. Built like a fucking brick shit house. I mean, he's built like a. Tank. Are, are you talking about John Silver? Maybe. Who yeah, is, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I don't I don't know. I'm not I don't remember who you're talking about, honestly. Uh, I mean, he, he he got out there. He got over. I mean, I just I was wondering who the hell that Stu was. Stu Grayson? Who was who was I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know who it is. I, who is, I, could, I who was recording uh, part of the podcast. So I couldn't. Who listen. is in the dark? Who is in that match? Hold on. I'll look because I don't I don't I don't remember. I just want to know who that there. is because he was um, he, he's, a, he's a he's a little fella. Yeah, <laughs> but he but I like the way he worked. Uh, Hold on, let me let, let me look and see who's in that match, guys. Yeah, take your time. I, I honestly I, don't remember. Yeah. Um. I did like the way they ended that match. I thought the right team went over, and that it was the um, you know, it was O'Reilly and Fish. Yeah, it's Red Dragon. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So red, I guess they're is. yeah, a Red Dragon. Yeah. Yeah. That's the other red thing. They, they throw names. I'm trying to remember names now. It's, yeah. Um, who was um, it? Now it's going to bug me. So I. Sorry. Uh, that's okay. I have to look really quick. The, while you're looking that up, the other question I have is what's up with my guys, the FTR? How come they can never win a match? Now they're just, now they're just MGF, MJF's like sometime flunkies. I mean, again, they're just not, you know, they're, they're, they're just, they, they're, they're put on the back burner. Yeah. So it is they've what it is. They've been on the back burner since they've been there. No, they haven't. They they were champions for a while, but they've been on the back burner since then. I mean, yeah. that's just how they, that's just how it goes. They, they push other lose, guys. They, they don't push. They, they don't lose. push other guys. They got to lose Tully Blanchard. And well, I think the pinnacle is probably going to come to an end at some point. But yeah. I mean, and that's you know, like they were the, all happy. They booked that in a really like loose, weird way. Like the Spears thing doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Wardlow is star. Well, yeah, but oh, I mean, like, Wardlow, it's pretty clear Wardlow. what they're it's pretty clear what they're gonna do with uh Wardlow. Yeah, um they've been teasing it for a year. He's gonna him and yeah, MJF, he's gonna but, turn on him. Yeah, he's gonna cost MJF a, a chance to tile or something like that. But just do not let Wardlow go to the WWE. Uh that's, no, that's the guy if Vince could pick somebody, it'd be his guy. He just looks like a Vince McMahon guy. I mean, FTR was in that battle royal, by the way. Yeah, they were. They were. Um, they eliminated Cash early, and then Dax went through till near the end. I think both those guys. You know, I'm not sure who you're talking about because I'm I'm looking uh, at this now. I mean, I guess now I got now I got to look it up. Damn it! <laughs> you talking about the are you talking about the blade? No, no, I know who the 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 blade is the. Uh, 
or as Jim Cornette calls him, then they call him the butcher, the blade, and the candlestick maker. Um, and see, I liked their team. I, I, and I know they had some issues with, well, I think one of them got COVID, I think, at one point. Yeah. And then uh, the butcher. Yeah. The butcher is the dude that looks. He, he's big. a giant. Yeah. He looks like he's gigantic. Yeah. Especially on that roster. Um, let me get, let's see here. Yeah, I think that yeah, he looks and that's one thing about AEW is that a giant looks like a giant. Yeah, Alex Reynolds or John Silver. Yeah, okay. Okay, so I guess it's Silver was the guy I'm talking yeah. about. Yeah. Yeah. He, he he's good. He he's impressed good. me. He was the one that like for some reason my eyes couldn't come off of him in watching. Yeah, him. he's good. Like, I don't know who that is. And that's he was pretty good. Um let's see. I'm probably looking at this real quick here. Yeah, I like the right team went over. Um, I think they did a good job when they split some of these teams up in the Royal. Like some of them were out early. They had the one out early. Yeah. They did that with the FTR. They did it with Santana and Ortiz. Uh, they had Santana go out and they had Ortiz stay in. And I thought that helped Ortiz because Santana's the the star of the two. Uh, yeah, I guess. Yeah, probably. I mean, he's the bigger guy. He's the one who's one of the yeah. better on the mic. He, he's done something to transform himself body wise in the last few months. So I, I'm really impressed with them. I think that they've got a really good tag team roster. The, uh, with the, now the red dragon, as they call him, you know, Fish and O'Reilly. I like the FTR. I like Santana and Ortiz. Uh, I know you love the bucks. I hate the bucks, but that's, they are who they are. And I get they're over. So 2.0 the, uh, is great. Um, um, which ones are 2.0? Um, that's 2.0. the guys that are with Garcia, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I yeah. saw them. Okay. I mean, even even uh even even the the guns, the ass boys, uh, <laughs> even they're pretty. <laughs> oh, we're gonna go there in a minute. Let me. I'm glad you. Thanks, said Dan Housen. Dan Housen is the guy. I like him. <laughs> um, the other team I really like. They're young. I like the private party guys. Yeah, yeah, they're great. They um, are. Um, Cassidy They're what the street profit should be. Yeah, throw that out there. Exactly. And Cassidy made Keith Lee look so good. Oh, yeah. He's, he's awesome. Oh, my God. He was bumping and bouncing around. Oh, my God. He made Keith Lee look like a hundred million dollars. Yeah. Um, that was last week. But, okay, last thing, and we're going to get out of here. I know you got stuff to do. I do, too. Um, yeah. Dan Housen. This dude is over with me. I like Dan Housen. I don't ever want to see him wrestle. No, <laughs> I don't ever. Want I, to I don't see know him that you're going to see him wrestle for a while because uh, he's he's got really hurt. But yeah, um, I don't ever want to see him wrestle. I don't ever want to see him in the ring. I just want to see him be in the character Dan House. What I, I kind of hope they do with him is I, I I want them to give and they did this in the, in uh, in Ring of Honor. I hope they give him some kind of like Piper's Pit type uh, type interview segment yeah. is the way that that should go. And then he can just annoy people. He can just oh, be man. the annoying, you know, let uh, give him, give him two bigger friends. I know right now he's with the best friends, but I'm guessing that probably Trent Beretta, if Rocky Romero comes back, you know, comes into there, I think we'll see. Yeah. I think Trent Beretta will go away, but yeah. um, give him a couple of big friends. Um, ideally they would assign PCO also because PCO and Dan Housen and in, in ring of honor was a thing. And it was funny. I've, I've seen some of those. Yeah. Yeah. So um but Dan give Dan Housen a giant friend, make Dan Housen as annoying as, as possible to other wrestlers and uh, everybody will laugh. And then we'll see a match between, between this, but he's, I, I'm not like Dan Housen is kind of a fun worker, but yes. 
Um, I, I don't, he's a great comedy wrestler. I, I do want to see a match with him and Orange Cassidy, but I could live without any of the other ones. I, I don't want to ever see him wrestle. And if you're going to give him a big friend, give him the butcher. Sure. Somebody like that. Yeah. Um, Put yeah. the butcher with him. And just yeah, have the butcher like be that. like his heavy. So no one can touch Dan House. Yeah. And Dan House is just making fun of everybody. That shit's hysterical. If you're listening and you don't know who we're talking about, Dan Housen's this guy who got over at Ring of Honor. He is this interesting character. He has the, the all-white face, and he kind of talks like I, I Dan Housen here. And that's the so best Dan, Dan Housen is Dan Housen is like I've heard him described two different ways, and they're both really funny. One is if um, Conan O'Brien was possessed by a demon and then decided to become a wrestler. That's a good yeah. one. Um, the other one is is that if Satan sent his most incompetent servant down to mess with wrestlers. Uh, they would have sent Danhausen. I like, I like, so I'm I a Fanhausen of Dan. I'm Housen. a Fanhausen of Danhausen. Uh, the Danhausen things, I heard some of his like uh, promos and some of the stuff he put out there on YouTube where you know, he was hurt and he was trying to get fans to send him packages. Then he would open the packages and make YouTube videos out of it. Yeah. And so you'd be like, hey, there's some kind of uh, Dan Housen, some kind of figure here. And, and just his voice and everything he does is hysterical. The best thing to watch, if you want to see a fun, the funniest Dan Housen, the reason why they're called the Ass Boys, is go find the one where he's annoying um, Austin and Colton Gunn at the convention. And I've Billy seen- Gunn thinks it's funny. Yeah, so, he calls them instead of the ass or whatever their name is. He calls them the, the, ass the gun, they're supposed to be called the gun club, gun club, but he keeps calling them the ass boys. And um, he's he says, you know, well, you know, uh, your your dad is Mr. Ass. And so that makes you the ass boys. And they're like, no, we're the gun club. And they keep going on and he follows yeah. them around. And Billy Gunn, they're like, dad, can you can you do something about this guy? He's like, nope, he's right. You know, and he just sits back. Yeah. Billy Gunn's sitting back there the whole time. He, he had another great clip with him and CM Punk. Have you seen that one yet? Yes, I've seen that one. And actually, um, if you can well, find the stuff, him money, he's paying him off. If he, you can find the stuff the with him, and then you did it again last week, and then Punk's paying him cash. If you can find the stuff with him and MJF, there's a few, like not a lot of it, but there's I've a little bit. There's a few clips of him and MJF where he's annoying MJF because he's going around wearing like a knockoff version of his scarf. And uh... <laughs> yeah, I, I think that I think that Danhausen should be the. Uh, um, like I don't like like the the comedy relief of AEW. Just yeah, like I don't want to see him winning the championship. Ring. I don't ever. I don't want to see, see that. Ring. But yeah, he's certainly one of the. He's, he's certainly a great character. He's a really good pickup, and he should. They should just be doing interviews. They should give him give him the you know they, Dan Housen Piper Pit or something. They, they should let him do some of the interviews that Tony Schiavone's running around having to do. Yeah, could you imagine him with Britt Baker? We haven't seen that that combination yet. That'd be good. Yeah, I like her. Yeah, everybody likes Britt Baker. But you put, yeah. put her with Britt Baker or yeah. – I mean, I, I'd be entertained if they put him with, like, some of the more serious guys like Moxley. Could you imagine? <laughs> I, I can't imagine. I Eddie Kingston. Hear, I did hear Dan Housen, uh speaking of Moxley. You know, Moxley's wife has a podcast. And they had where he did the podcast for her one week. Oh, God. When she, when she was having I her can't baby. imagine. When she was yeah. having her baby. Dan Housen did the show. And it, I haven't heard that one. I'll have to listen yeah, to it. Yeah, check it out. He's hysterical. I mean, he he can go around it if if he becomes well known enough, he could do like the comedy club thing as Dan Housen. Well, you know what you know what's crazy about it? Like, so and also that's one of those gimmicks he can have forever. Like right now, he's a very young guy. I mean, he's in his 20s. 
But I mean, he could do that gimmick forever. He could be 60 and he's still, you know, annoying wrestlers. <laughs> he could be brought around. back for AEW's Legends Night. Yeah, exactly. I'm sure he will yeah. be, though. He'll be the interviewer. He'll be going to bring in Dan Hansen here. Dan Hansen, I, I just, I, I want to learn to do the voice. <laughs> I try. It drives my son crazy. And yeah, there you go. That's an even better reason to do it. So, hey, let's wrap it up. I appreciate, man. I would love having you on. I always do. I love having you do this. Um, we're, how are we helping you out? So you got you got pro, uh, pro There's still the pro wrestling historical society.com. Um, yep. You should also take take a look at our Facebook group. Yep. Um, and really, that's all I have to plug this week. All right. Uh, so if you know, it, it, um, but yeah, go to there. We've got some shirts. We've got there's books. Um, they have uh, sort of renewed the pro wrestling historical society library. Um, so take a look at um, you know take a look at that. That's a Facebook page, Facebook group great facebook group um so yeah that's it cool well we'll definitely send people your way we'll get that in the show notes there for you as well um also uh let's get back together between revolution and wrestlemania just before wrestlemania kind of sure. get some picks in there talk a little bit about what's going to happen um when are we going to see steve austin make his first appearance for the wrestlemania thing mm, tough one i don't know i mean we just had elimination chamber so we're still about a month away. pretty soon yeah. gotta be pretty quick because uh if they're gonna do this match uh there's no been i mean the only build to it is, is he could come out and say you've been doing the stunner and i didn't i don't like it you know so yeah. they got to do something yeah so i was curious so all right well let's uh let's chat again soon about all that we'll kind of get caught up and uh i appreciate sure. you coming on today thank you so much for making well, thanks time. for having me we're doing this and i, I enjoy this it's one of my fun fun times having you on so thanks a lot hayden for coming in and uh We'll chat again soon. Yep. Thanks for having me. Thank you. All right. I hope you enjoyed that chat with Hayden. Uh, Hayden's my dude. I mean, he knows he knows wrestling in and out, and he gets the information that even I don't get sometimes and always has some great insight for us. So I hope you guys enjoyed that chat. Um, this is an exciting time of year in wrestling because it's right, right before WrestleMania. There's always some changes. And now – with AEW's pay-per-view in March, it kind of makes it like an exciting time. So I hope you guys enjoyed that. Ellen, you're back with us now. I appreciate I am. it. Thank you so much. I want to talk a little football for a few minutes because that's what I like. And we talked baseball. I'll let you do your basketball stuff. So I really appreciated the college basketball stuff. But, that <laughs> um, but what I want to talk about is I'll talk about the Chiefs for a few minutes. I was on the Jones Report this week. Yeah. And we did a lot of different talking about football and some different things going on. And um, we didn't get deep into the Chiefs, but um, we have a lot of people in the Kansas City area who listen. So we're going to talk about yeah. the Chiefs. We're going to talk about the Broncos next week. We're going to go deep dive on the Broncos next week. Okay. And, um, uh, should we wait until they sign a quarterback? Well, I was thinking about that, but I think that when you see what I'm doing with this one, you'll see this is kind of. Okay. Okay. I looked at the Chiefs roster. I was looking at, you know, you got to look at the team building stuff. And I, I, I want to start with there's three things that the Chiefs need to do in this offseason. But before we get there, right after we recorded last week, I mean, it wasn't 30 minutes later. Mm-hmm. We got done recording. Tyler Jones sends me a text message with a link to an article that was written by some people from the Chiefs Kingdom website. This is a fan website. I'm not real familiar with it. Um, they have a, uh, a Twitter handle and everything. And I sent it over. To, did you? I sent it to you as well. I know you've read it. 
you did. And, and I'll note that I started following this handle. Yeah. Um, so the save chief's kingdom kind of movement started years ago before, of course, Andy Reid got hired. Yeah. And that's where they kind of sprung out of. And so I've been following them since then. Yeah. So I, and I mean, I wasn't as familiar, but it was, this article was about Eric Bieniemy. Yes. And talking about some issues that Eric Bieniemy had with Patrick Mahomes, Mm -hmm. uh, with Andy Reid, with the, with the play calling. And it really indicted, I, I thought it was a hit piece more than anything else we've seen now as of recording this there has not been a public announcement about eric bianami's contract being extended or not coming back so and to note that his contract expired it has expired so as of right now he is not the offensive coordinator of the kansas city chiefs now the nfl season the nfl year ends at the end of the month it's, it's march 1st when the new season starts um, but that doesn't matter as far as assistant coach contracts. Um, in this case, uh, Eric Bieniemy again, has interviewed for, it was a number of the open head coaching jobs, didn't get any of them. Um, I understand he had an eight hour interview with the New Orleans Saints uh, and did, oh, not wow. come away, yeah, did not come away with a job. Um, I think there's a little bit of a, I don't want to call it a false flag, I probably had the best way to put it, but it's, I think there was some disingenuous thing there. I think it came down to, I think the Saints wanted to look at Eric Bieniemy, but I think it was more important to New Orleans and that organization to keep certain people. They wanted to keep the assistant coach. They wanted to keep Pete Carmichael, the offensive coordinator. And if Dennis Allen didn't become the head coach, which he eventually did, right. they wanted to keep him as defensive coordinator. I don't think that sit well, not just with Eric Bieniemy, with anybody. I mean, nobody's going to take that job and say, oh, you're going to make me take coordinators. That's unfair. That goes back to a lot of that Brian Flores stuff we were talking about last couple of years. Well, and that's what I was about to say, especially given the Flores stuff. It's a a different atmosphere, right? Yeah. yeah. I think the consistency there, I think that was the closest the enemy came to getting the head job was New Orleans, it sounds like. But um, he got passed over again. So this is really what three seasons in a row, and he's been offensive coordinator. This article came out, and it was an indictment on Bianami. It was, how it was harsh. It was. It was harsh saying that he didn't get along with Mahomes. He was changing plays or wanting to run his offense and his style, and that didn't sit well with Mahomes, who wanted to do more Mahomes kind of stuff. And where I read this was I thought, what has been my indictment of the Chiefs this season? It's been all this backyard, schoolyard bullshit that I think it's hurting them because they're not consistent. It seems like to me what happened is that Eric Bieniemy realized and has realized for two years now that just making Patrick Mahomes the center of the, of the earth is not going to win games when it comes time to winning the Super Bowl. And this season was, and the end of last season, but this season especially proved that. Yeah, I think the Super Bowl proved that last year when they didn't score an offensive, they didn't score a touchdown. And and it was one of those where, yeah, that's going to work, that backyard stuff against bad teams. 
we've already talked about how the Chiefs didn't play well against good teams this year. Their Absolutely. record against playoff teams was atrocious. And they got into the playoffs and they won a game and then and they won a game against Pittsburgh who shouldn't have been in the playoffs. And then they basically played hot potato with the Bills back and forth. The last team to score wins. If they, if that game, if the coin flip goes differently in the overtime, the Chiefs go home. Well, so that was assuming Buffalo goes out of scores. Yeah, I mean, I would assume that. Not the Buffalo game, because yeah, the Buffalo. They win that. They won that game against Buffalo. The Chiefs did. Right, but the coin flip goes a different way. The Chiefs, the Chiefs to lose. But the overtime toss thing was more about. was it about? I yeah, because, about- the, because the overtime, the Chiefs came right down, scored, won the game that was over. That's right. Buffalo okay. the ball. Never mind. For some yeah, reason, you, I thought it was Burrow that had such yeah. a good record you flip and it was it, Josh yeah. Allen. Yeah, you, flip the, you flip the switch the other yep. way. Yeah. The point flip goes the other way. Buffalo likely goes down there and scores and wins the game. Yeah. Late in the season, the Chiefs played better than the first half of the season. And I think that had to do more with the defense. But I also think – and if the biggest change was Tyron Matthew back to being Tyron Matthew and not them moving him around so they can place Daniel Sorensen up in the front of the defense. Well, and I think I have to think that part of it was moving Clark outside the outside yeah. well, and moving him back inside because that's where he yeah. works. Well, the, I, again, and they're, you know, they finished second to last the sacks in the league. I was. Okay. I didn't know that stat till, till a couple of days ago. I was like, "Wow, really?" They were they were thirty first in sacks. They were thirty first in sacks and in quarterback pressures. It was pretty bad. That's but weird. I looked at it, and the biggest difference to me those last six weeks was they they set Sorensen on the bench, let Tyron Matthew be the safety that he is. He's a different kind of safety. He plays all three levels of the defense. Yes, and they finally let him do that. Now my. I mentioned this early in the season in the Jones report. I didn't mention it here, but I mentioned it on Tyler's pod. But I think part of that had to do with Tyron Matthews' contract. Tyron Matthews is a free agent now. And okay. I think early in the season, they thought they were going to roll their helmets out there and just beat everybody. And I think they thought, well, we'll just play Matthew in the back. We'll let him play safety and be a ball hawk back there, which really isn't the best use of his skills. He's great at that. But what Matthew does is totally different than every other safety in the league. And when you can move him around, he becomes a different type of player. Um, there really hasn't been a guy like him. Um, the guy here, Earl Thomas, is probably the one that I think of that's like him. Okay. That sort of situation. But, but Matthew could play in the front of the box even better. Yeah. I thought this has to do more with them trying to get him an extension and trying to save money on that contract. Than anything else interesting and okay. then i thought well then later in the season we saw they're getting burned every time daniel Sorensen's playing that role right. they're just moving the shift in the offense around offenses are they're finding who has him in man coverage they're just burned you know if he's in zone they find his zone they burn right right and they switch that they put matthew back in that role defense good so much better that was the big thing i thought there but then we read this article this article again, and it's not it's not from the Casey Star. This isn't Adam Teicher. This isn't the most reliable source. This is obviously someone who hears the whispers around the 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 facility. The best that I can tell, these are local folks who have connections yeah. in the organization. Yeah, and in this, a lot of the talk was 
Bienemy and Mahomes are not on the same page, and that Bienemy, they mentioned a couple times in this article about Bienemy yelling at Mahomes, and um, it was just it was an indictment of Bienemy, and the idea of one of the quotes in there was about late in the season in one of the games where they didn't want to run the ball at McKinnon. Bienemy wanted to run it with Edwards Hilaire, who was at the time averaging more per carry, and so it's like okay. I see where he's coming from, but somebody else doesn't like this. Maybe it's McKinnon. Maybe it's someone who likes McKinnon more than the Hubbard Solaire. Maybe it's, well, and you don't know who the sources are. And the thing that I wasn't sure on, on that was where it fell. Cause in the playoffs, McKinnon got real hot. Yeah. But if you look, even in the playoffs, mm-hmm. um, up until the last game against the Bengals, Edwards Hilaire was still averaging more per carry. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it was like six versus 5.4 or 5.8 versus 6.2. I mean, it was close. But the other thing is that when you're averaging near six yards a carry, what should you be doing in football? Right. No. Right in the football. But and, that doesn't make 15 happen. And the whole construct was of yeah. uh, the coaches couldn't get on the same page. Yeah. And it was infighting on the helmet. You yeah. Know. Yeah. The, the, the quarter. Um, the enemy's calling plays. So we, we did find out, according to this, that it's in, it was in Eric Bienemy's contract. He was the play caller. Yes. So we have found out now that Eric Bienemy was the play caller, but Andy Reid could void plays. Yep. And that was happening. So he has, we, I've always thought Andy Reid was the play caller because he has the Waffle House menu. <laughs> Head coaches don't have the Waffle House menu if they're not calling plays. I'm fair. So, and I'm not saying I'm not calling it the Waffle House menu because they're making fun of Andy Reid because it's fat. I'm a fat guy too. When I had a card, I like I was carrying a Waffle House menu. It's go to a Waffle House. And they look like them. Waffle House menus. They're long. They're legal. They're like they're not even legal size. They're like the extra long. Menus. Yes. Yes. And they're laminated. They, I mean, they're like Waffle House menus. Yep. Yeah. It just happens to be funnier when it's a fat guy like Andy Reid carrying it, or someone like I was on the sideline carrying one. It does like a guy that I have to order at the Waffle House. Totally. So. But um, in reading this, we kept reading, we kept hearing, and it was said in the article that Mahomes puts his hands over the helmet, over his ears. It's because QB coach and the OC, the offensive coordinator, and the head coach were all talking. Right. Everyone's yelling at each other. One person gets to talk on the headset. Now, it also bothers me if Eric Bieniemy is the offensive coordinator, why the fuck's he on the sideline? He needs to be in the box. I offensive so coordinator should be in the box. Not understanding viewpoints and all that kind of stuff and how things filter through. You've got you've got more than just the Waffle House card if you're the offensive play caller. You've got the Waffle House card, but you've also got notes on we're calling this play in this situation, and you've got a number of those. And I it's fully also, understand that. Yeah, it's also one voice, one voice. Mm-hmm. On that headset, because they've only okay. got till I believe it is 20 on the play clock. When okay. the play clock goes to 20, the NFL cuts off the headset. And the play clock is 25 seconds? It's 45. Oh, 45. Sorry. Okay. So when the play is to do th- I believe it's 20. It might be 15. Uh, but when it gets to that point, they black it out. So he can be in the middle of the play call. You know, red, right, sure. And it, and and if it's in the middle of the play, they don't care. It's cut off at this point. 
So when you see Mahomes covering it up, it's because there's more than one person. Only one person should have that mic. That's the offensive coordinator because he's the play caller. And in this particular instance, it was presented as Three everyone people. is calling different things. Yes. And Mahomes said, either pick a play or I will. Or I will. Yeah. So you got three people talking to the quarterback, trying to call play. You've got the offensive coordinator who's supposed to be making the play call. The quarterback coach doesn't like the play call. And what we're finding is it was, they were doing this. What I was led to believe later was it was more being done on run plays, called run plays. The quarterback coach was saying, no, we've got to do something else. Then Reed who has final say can come in and change the play. So now you got Mahomes sitting there with essentially three people telling him what to do. That's hard enough for a young player. Now, Reed or Mahomes is sitting with the QB coach every day. How this works, so that you know, in the NFL, you break everything down into small groups. The quarterback coach is with the quarterback every waking moment of the day. Okay. When they go to a team meeting, first they'll go to skill positions. They'll bring in running backs, wide receivers, and quarterbacks. The offensive coordinator will run that meeting. Then they'll bring in linemen. Offensive coordinator runs that meeting. Okay. Some teams have a run game coordinator and a passing game coordinator. Chiefs do not do that. Okay. Um, usually that is an offensive line coach for the run game coordinator who works with the backs and the run in the in the linemen. That's when quarterbacks and wide receivers are together with the run with the passing game coordinator. Usually sure. the quarterback coach. Now instead, Chiefs have a quarterback coach. They have other position coaches. So the OC makes the the plan, the offensive plan. Here's what we're going to do this week. We, we right. watch the tape. Here's what the defense does. Here's what we want to try to do. And he tells these position coaches, here's what you're going to work on this week. It seems that quarterback coach and quarterback don't like that they don't have total control of the play call. It seems they want to do more of the schoolyard Mickey Mouse bullshit plays because they are big, exciting plays. A lot of that is also because Mahomes works with Kelsey. He works with Tyreek Hill. Yes. And he's going, hey, we can do this. Now, great. What he's got to do is go to the OC and say, hey, I like these plays. I like this. Let's do this here. And your OC and the quarterback should be on the same page. So So here's my my question at this point of your analysis is – the idea of it being a hit piece to a certain extent against the enemy, is it not also a hit piece against Mahomes, especially no. given the exposure that his extended okay. family has had because it's not acknowledgement of everything else that he does within yeah. the team. I'm just curious. Yeah, I, 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 don't hey, know. I, read, I read this article and I didn't think Mahomes looked good, mm-hmm. but I don't think he came off the worst. What I read was I read a hit piece on, on, on Eric Bianetti and that right. he's not listening to Mahomes. But what I really thought and took away from this is the head coach is doing a fucking piss poor job. Which again, where where is the hit piece? If the offensive coordinator, the quarterback coach, and your franchise quarterback, Mm -hmm. I mean, he's the franchise quarterback. 
Yes. And when it's all said and done, the guy who should have the most power of those three is 15. It's Mahomes because he is the franchise. An example, Aaron Rodgers talks to his OC and they're calling plays, but they're sitting down and they're going, here's the plays I like, here's the plays I don't like. It's no. been said for years, Drew Brees sits down with Pete Carmichael and Sean Payton the night before a game and says, throw all this shit out. Or we really like this, get this in the plan. And I'm fully, I fully get and understand that. And I think that is an excellent point. I guess my thought was just because of the nonsense over the last several weeks yeah. around well, everything. Yeah. Well, that I think that, yeah, it's trying to, do, it's trying to portray the enemy in a different light because we're all distracted by the off the field stuff with the, the, the other Mahomes. Right. right. I, I think that in the end, Patrick Mahomes should have a lot of say in what happens in there. I think that the offensive coordinator should be working with Patrick Mahomes. Those two can't get on the same page. Then and it seems like what the fight truly comes down to between the two is that Eric B is an old school, older school guy. He wants to run football. And he's saying we got to be able to run the football because we're going to need to when it's important. Which is and that's not what Mahomes wants to do. But the thing of it is, it's a necessity. It is, but that's not how Mahomes and the quarterbacks coach think. I and that's where my indictment is on Andy Reid, because now Andy Reid is the one who should be coming in and getting everybody on the same page. They're he's definitely the head coach. Yeah, no, and I agree. His There's... responsibility is to say, hey, if you motherfuckers can't get this together then I'm going to come in here and make a lot of fucking changes. And yeah. he has not stood up and done this. And this is my number one indictment on Andy Reid. I have never been a fan of his. Wasn't a fan when he was the Eagles coach. I'm not a fan of his the Chiefs coach. He rode the end of lightning one time and got to a Super Bowl and won. But this guy is not a great head coach. And I know that I'm going to get a shitload of flack for that, but it's a joke that people think he's a Hall of Fame head coach. And this is an indictment to me on him more than anything else. This season is an indictment on Andy Reid more than anybody else. The fact they're the favorites in the NFL right now, according to Vegas, Mm -hmm. is an indictment that if they don't win, it's on him. It has to be on him. Plain and simple. Mm. They, he, he asked that he had Andy Reid has to pull Patrick Mahomes in and say, listen, kid, you've got every freaking skill that there is. You are fucking fantastic. Sean Payton once said about um, Patrick Mahomes, that of all the workouts he's ever done with draftees, his best one was Patrick Mahomes. Here, here and, is. But you've got to be a coach. You've got to coach that kid and tell him, here's where your shortcomings are. And he has to hear it. So here is my layman's view non-coach everything kind of coming in yes if he can't say yes but he has to acknowledge Mahomes QB coach OC whomever but there has to be acknowledgement that there there's that second piece of the offense yes yes and I would agree that he has to be more forceful if he hasn't been with that and push that forward. 
Well, I don't know enough about the league and how things run to say that, you know, he should be indicted for it. But if this continues to be an ongoing issue, you know, if we're looking a third of the way into the next season and we're seeing these things continue to crop up that happened the first part of this season, then yes, there has to be some questions about maybe he's just a people pleaser. He is. Oh, I I, think he clearly is. I think he absolutely is. I, I am a people pleaser. So I understand wanting to avoid conflict and he's had a whole lot of conflict on his plate over the last year and a half, given his son and everything else that. Andy Reid, and and again, and and that's very well put that he had a lot of stuff off the field with his kid, everything else. And I'm not going to give him any shit about any of that. That's a personal deal. And that's just not who I am. But what I will say is the number one thing, we talked about it. There's the three headed monster on every team. Right. Head coach and GM, I got to get along. Head coach yep. and quarterback got to get along. And the head coach, if the quarterback's as talented as Patrick Mahomes is, and there is no question that kid's talented. Yeah. No. The head coach has got to go in and say, listen, this is what you do well. But we have to expand what we do well as a team. Absolutely. And, and, and I'll give you an example of a player who is just as talented and the same type of thing is the reason that this guy did not win multiple, multiple Super Bowls. That's Peyton Manning. Mm. Look, I'm about to indict Peyton Manning, okay? I love Peyton Manning. My favorite football player of all time is Peyton Manning. Your child's named after My child's named Peyton Manning. But the fact that Peyton Manning would not be willing to change his offense and to do some things in Indianapolis is a big reason why Indy only won one Super Bowl with him. I told people, I've told friends of mine for years, I've told people on podcasts, it would not surprise me when Patrick Mahomes won the Super Bowl, the Chiefs. I said, be careful what you wish for. You think this guy's going to go and automatically win four or five? This shit ain't promised to anybody. No, and that is absolutely true. I will tell you, I will make this statement. If Andy Reid is the head coach of the Kansas City Chiefs, while he's the head coach of the Kansas City Chiefs, unless there is a major change in offensive philosophy that includes the running game, the Chiefs will not win the Super Bowl under Andy Reid, even with Patrick Mahomes. They just won't. They have to be able to include that. And now it's too competitive in your conference with other top stars yeah, and other top quarterbacks in some of these teams. The AFC right now is going into a part where we've got some great, great teams. The Chiefs just incorporate the run into their offense, and they've got running backs. They've got a superior offensive line. This shouldn't be that difficult. That's my indictment. It's not an indictment on Mahomes. It's not even an indictment on, on Eric Bieniemy or the offensive coordinator. Or, or right. It's an indictment on Andy Reid. He can't control his team. No, and I think that's kind of a, a good place to button it up and yeah. say, here, here's what we need to be looking for yeah. in early season 2022. So there's, there's, there's four things, the three things player-wise. One thing, the important part to me, if I'm Andy Reid, the most important thing Andy Reid can do is mm-hmm. hire, he's not going to bring Eric Bianni back. Bring in an offensive. So. Yeah, bring in an offensive coordinator 
who I, I know that there's been some talk of maybe Matt Nagy, a couple other things. You know, Matt Nagy might be a good choice. Um, but bring in someone who will get all the parties on the same page. That's going to be Andy Reid's job one. Hey, it's can fantastic. I can I offer just a random suggestion since sure. I know you hate him as a head coach? Cliff Klingsbury? Yeah. I, it, yeah, I, I, I don't know. What you do tend to see is that head coaches want their guy. They want their guy. And, and it might be promoting the, the quarterback coach to the offense court. Well, I, I, I suggest know. Kingsbury just because he was Mahomes' coach at Tech. At Texas Tech, yeah. And um, I don't know. It would be interesting. It won't happen. but yeah, He's still a head coach in Arizona, at least for now. Correct. Yeah. But uh, I, I think that's the most important thing Andy Reid can do right now. Andy Reid needs to hire an offensive coordinator who will make sure that those three parties, quarterback coach, offensive coordinator, and number 15 are all on the same page. Makes sense. Now, the, the Chiefs have got some other situations they got to worry about that aren't Andy Reid's problem or his decisions to make. Um, I kind of put together a quick little blueprint of what I think the Chiefs should be doing this offseason. So um, right now the Chiefs just cut. Um, Hitchin. Oh, uh, yeah, Anthony Hutchins just got cut. But we saw this coming. It's a salary cap cut. They did it prior to March 1st. They could do it on the previous year and take the um, salary cap hit. They were able to do that because their way the salary cap was still good for 2021, so it went on that one. Um, but they have the two linebackers they've drafted over the last two seasons that will be replacing Hutchins. And they're not going to go to their, their, their 4-3. They're going to hybrid that thing, go 4-2 with, with more DBs. Okay. Uh, that's just what the league is going to, and I just see them doing that. Um so I, I don't think that's a problem. Uh, what I do think is I think there's three things the Chiefs have got to worry about here. And this is first off left tackle Orlando Brown. Okay. Got Orlando Brown a year ago as a free agent. He had as a free agent, but as a, in a trade, he had one year left on his contract. That year has gone, and now he is a free agent. He's an unrestricted free agent. He is going to be well wanted. <laughs> um, let me pull this back up here. Um, there is a lot of – right now, there's a lot of cap space. Let me pull the Chiefs back up here. Chiefs are currently – let's see. After the Anthony Hutch still they're now $11 million under the salary cap. Okay. They will make a little bit more of this. Uh, they'll take Patrick Mahomes, some of his salary. They'll make it into roster bonus to free up a little more cash. There will also be an increase at some point in the cap because the new number will come out in April. All right. It comes out right around the draft. So right now you can go way over. You can be all the way over until training camp starts. And you'll see some cuts coming, usually March 1st to June 1st, and then after June 1st, you see another round. That's and based upon the dead cap and what happens there. Go ahead. Right. No, so that was something that you were talking to me about earlier that yeah. is interesting, that based on the timeline of those cuts, it has an impact on that cap yeah so the first thing i think we'll see there'll be a camp cap there'll be a cap casualty still still to come and that's gonna be frank clark um frank clark is owed i'm looking at it now he's still owed about 39 million dollars in base salary mm -hmm. um but his cap number this year is 26 is 27 next year 
the Chiefs can get out of this. If they do a pre-June 1 cut, they get hit with a $13 million, I can say it's a tax hit, but it's what it is, it's a, it's a salary cap hit. Uh, it would free up $12 million. But if they okay. wait till June the 1st, a portion of Frank Clark's contract becomes guaranteed. They have to pay that cash, but it doesn't count to the cap. Okay. Uh, they can have a $6.8 million prorated bonus hit but it saves them $19.5 million. All right, so it's kind of... 29-year-old edge rusher who hasn't played well. He, I think Frank, I think Frank Clark's going to be good as a Now, the big thing is the Chiefs are going to look at this thing two ways. they got to get in their salary cap and get where they want to get for 2022. They've also got a couple of guys they got to lock up for the future. Okay. Tyreek Hill is important to the Chiefs' offense. Absolutely, and that has to be their primary target yeah. for – On the offensive reason. side, there are three people that I got. Orlando Brown's one, Tyree Kills two, Tyron Matthews three. They okay. haven't tried to figure out a way to keep all three of those guys. All right. We'll talk about Hill first. Hill is signed only for the upcoming season. And at a low cap number, his cap number, because he has a $15 million roster bonus, is $20 million bucks. Now – I looked at this and I said, you got Orlando Brown, who's one of the top tackles in the league. Yeah. You're going to have to pay him 20 to $22 million a year. Tyron Matthew is arguably either the best or one of the best two or three safeties in the league. He's also right now the second highest paid safety in the league. He's going to cost you 18 to $20 million a year. Tyreek Hill is currently sitting at – I mean, I can't even get away with this um, – He's currently getting twenty million a year. That's was his this year. His cap number this year. Um, nice. A big part of that's a bonus. It's his roster bonus. Right. His actual salary is only a million bucks. But if you look at the free agents that are out there, you compare it to the twenty twenty one numbers. Tyree Kill is going to get twenty three million a year. You're going to have to pay all those guys. You're going to have to pay them for at least three or four years. So you're looking at 61 million bucks on the low end, probably closer to 70 million when it's all said and done. I mentioned you've only got 13 million on the cap. Now, Tyreek Hill, you can do some things with the roster bonus. You extend him and you prorate that bonus over a number of years. You can get him down. Number one thing, they've got to go ahead and give him an extension. So number one, a Tyreek Hill extension has to be done. Yes. The issue with Tyreek Hill, it's not a bad issue, but it's a strange issue to me. If Tyree Kill was a free agent, an actual free agent, mm-hmm. he wouldn't have as many suitors as you think. His value wouldn't be as high to every team as it is to the Chiefs. Hear me out. Patrick Mahomes has a cannon. Yeah. He's one of the very few guys who can throw the ball 65, 70 yards. And do it in the in game. In game. I mean, there's guys who could do it, you know, with their with their shorts on, but they're not guys who can do it when they're getting the pressure thrown out. Mahomes. Sure. Tyreek Hill becomes more valuable in those cases. If Tyreek Hill played for the 49ers, he wouldn't be as valuable. Right. The offense the, is for that. The quarterback the, can't go that far. The whole he, meme that that cropped up that Tyreek's down there somewhere, he'll get it. Yeah. And and, and he's not a great pass catching receiver far from it actually he's but got he's speed so, though his unique speed 
is what makes him incredible. And it's a perfect fit in their offense. So they're going to have to essentially overpay him for what his true value is. He's also, frankly, and, and I mean this in the nicest way possible, been very underpaid in his career. Yeah. With the issues he had as a young man off the field, the Chiefs took advantage of that. Sure. They were able to say, well, you're not going to go make much more money anywhere else. We're the perfect fit for you. And you have these other issues. He's owed that money in my view. He's owed it. You better pay. So number one, an extension for Tyree Kill has to be done. Mm-hmm. Number two is Orlando Brown. That's a left tackle. Left tackle is most there, – there's three important positions. Quarterback's number one. Left tackle's number two because he protects the quarterback. Corner is three. You can say edge rusher's four. But you got to be well, able to have a left tackle. You got to protect that $400 million quarterback. You got to protect the blind side, whatever side that is. Yeah. And it's, yeah, mostly the left side. So your left tackle there is important. We saw how important it was. So Orlando Brown's going to get some money. But here's the problem he's an unrestricted free agent. And there are teams that are going to want a left tackle. Yeah. I'll pull this up here. Let me get this again. So, damn it. I hate when I do this. Okay, so current left tackles. We've got four or five teams that are losing the left tackles. Uh, the Chiefs have a free agent. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Jaguars, who are way under the salary cap, got Cam Robinson leaving. The Saints can't afford Taron Armstrong. He's going to go somewhere. Dwayne Brown from Seattle. Uh, look here at the left tackles. Uh, Eric Fisher with the Colts. I don't see any way Eric Fisher comes back to Kansas City. Yeah. I mean, that's the – he did – it just that's not gonna be a good fit, right? Um, that is, if we see that, that was a desperate measure. Um, so you've got four or five teams that are gonna be looking for left tackles. The Colts will be looking for one, they're not gonna keep Eric Fisher. The Saints are gonna look for one. Um, the Seahawks are looking for one. These are all teams that have quarterbacks they gotta protect, right? So absolutely. Orlando Brown's gonna get expensive. So you're gonna be looking at 22, you're gonna be on that higher side. And who's to say he doesn't want to go play somewhere? I mean. The Bengals are looking for a left tackle. The Chargers are looking for a left tackle. I mean, these teams are looking for left tackles. Um, so and it's all about fit, right? So. Fit. Now, I think the Chiefs are going to be able to keep Orlando Brown, but that's the number two thing. They're going to have to sign him, and they're going to have to get him an extension out there ways. Uh, let me get what his number was. I mean, he was already in the 20-plus million. He's going to have to be well past that. Okay. And and for a few years, he's a guy who's 26. Yeah. And 26 years old, he's going to have to be getting a five-year extension. Okay. So, I mean, it's going to cost you a hundred a quarter. Makes sense. And then Matthew comes up. This is the hardest one because this guy is your defense. Yes. He's, he's the heartbeat of it. Flat yes. out. Flat out. And he wants to be a Kansas City Chief. Tyron Matthew has said he loves Kansas City. He yep. loves playing for the Chiefs. He loves everything involved with that. But he's an unrestricted free agent and a guy who, frankly, is going to be able to break the bank somewhere. This guy has yeah. gotten better every year in his career. He's in good health. And he is going to go um, very high uh, at a very high number. Uh, right now, looking at free agent safeties, Tyron Matthews, number one guy out there. You got Devin McCourty, Marcus Williams from the Saints is going to be available. Um, uh, Quandre Diggs, 
Kareem Jackson from the Broncos, but this is going to be the entire market is going to go for Tyron Matthew. Makes total sense. There's nobody better available at that position. And what he does in such a unique way, the way he plays all three levels of the defense we've talked about, right. it's an even more valuable. Chiefs have got to figure out a way. And in his case, his current salary cap number, his last, it was 20 million. He was just under 20. He mm-hmm. made 16 the year before that. He's going to break the bank at 20 plus million. And, and my guess, he's probably going to get close to 25. It'll be interesting to see how they structure. Yeah. I, I think Tyron Matthews is the one that probably gets away. All right. It's going to be so hard. Uh, if you look at, if you see the Chiefs early, go get an edge rusher. Uh-huh. And you know they're going to make this Frank Clark thing happen in June. And so if they spend big money on a Frank Clark replacement, it means Matthews not staying. That's fair. But if it's a a Jadavion Clowney on a one-year contract at $10 million, they're more likely to keep Tyron Matthews. Interesting. Yeah. We've mentioned, I mean... we've mentioned how you, these teams like the Chiefs, like Buffalo, like Cincy are just going to get – they're going to try to get players – Veterans to come in at lower costs. Sure. Yeah. You can pay Matthew if you can get a couple of other pieces on the cheap. And that's yeah. what's going to be important is that Frank Clark's going to have to go. You're going to have to replace him with someone who's making half of what he made so that you can hang on to Matthew. So there'll be some telltale signs here in these first few weeks of free agency and to see how things go from there. So, well, and I guess we'll find out how that, uh, all pro weekend kind of worked out and what conversations yeah. kind of. Grew yeah. I mean, that's where we talked about the recruiting piece. I mean, hopefully Mahomes out there talking to him. I mean, yeah. that's part of being that guy is that you have to be the face of everything. Absolutely. So uh, that was kind of my three prong attack. They got to attack all three of those players. The chiefs are going to have to clean all three and make a good offensive coordinator hire to be the favorite. It makes sense. And I'm, I'm curious to see how things play out. Yeah. So um, I do have a couple of solutions for the chiefs. They do not, they strike out on a couple of these. If you strike out on Orlando Brown, you go pay Nate soldier, whatever you got to pay him. That'd be my second choice there. Do not get caught up in trying to get Eric Fisher. Don't get caught in that. Um, if Matthew doesn't work, I like the idea of Jabril, Jabril, uh, Jabril peppers. Okay. I yeah. love the idea of Xavier Woods. Those guys you can get cheaper. Again, if you if you see those kind of names in lieu of a Tyron Matthew early, it's because they're going to go grab a few different players. Yeah, I've seen a lot of mention of Peppers. So, yeah. so if you see Peppers or you see Woods, uh, Anthony Harris from the Eagles is another one to take a look at. If those guys end up in Kansas City, that means no Tyron Matthew. You save a bunch of money. And you're going to go start finding other pieces. That's where you go get that edge rusher who's going to play sparingly, but get you that big play. Gotcha. Where you're going to see another corner, you know, maybe a better slot corner. Um, it's where you're going to see a third receiver. You're going to spend a little bit more money on those kind. You're going to go for veterans in those cases. Got it. Hey, the Tyree Kill one to me is the most important because there is literally nobody available that can replace him. He's not the best wide receiver available. Devontae Adams is a better receiver. 
But Devontae Adams cannot do in the Chiefs offense with, with Tyreek Hill can. Well, I mean, no one can mimic the speed. So it yeah. just depends yeah. on after the speed, yeah. what are you wanting to yeah. get? Yeah, it just it, that's what it is. That position means so much to that offense. Mm-hmm. Um, I also think the other receiver that the Chiefs are going to look at is Deshaun Jackson. Okay. Another guy who I think can stretch the field as well. And he's got Andy Reid. He's got some history with Andy Reid and the Eagles. He's just old. Yeah, but he's – He's a third down guy. He's a guy you're going to bring in. He's not going to cost them anything. He's going to cost them four or five million. Fair, fair. And it's a it's a four or five million for a fourth receiver. Yeah. Who's an occasional weapon. Yeah, that's the kind of thing I'm talking about when I see veterans wanting to play with guys. No. It's guys who are playing every down. It's, 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 the, kind of it's the team curation yeah. that you yeah. want to do. It is, it is going to be – it's not Devontae Adams or Juju Smith-Schuster. It's – Deshaun Jackson or Cordell Patterson. Right. Dead. It's um, not getting Tyron Matthew, but instead taking Xavier Woods. Right. It's, you know, not getting Orlando Brown, but having Nate Soldier. Yep. You know, it leaves you room to then go get a couple of pieces to maybe say Davion Clowney, we'll give you a one year, 10 million. You know, that's a great replacement for a Frank Clark. It's I mean, also a guy who's like, I'll play every down. But he's going to play in times. He's going to be what Von Miller was for the Rams. Well, and here that's what I was about to, to allude to is that the Rams provided some version of blueprint for teams who just want to do now. Yeah, so. absolutely. So that was the thing I wanted to get in on that piece is that there was the, the article, but then I wanted to get on kind of the offseason moves. Yeah. Some of the things going on with the Chiefs there. And I think it's going to be interesting. We're, we're, we're recording this. We're getting to the last weekend of February when this comes out, and free agency will start after the March 1st. We'll see some cuts. And I'm not making any predictions on who's going where or what until I see who gets cut and whatnot. Um, I do have a thing in my brain who I think Tyron Matthews is going to go to if he's not a chief. I think he's going to end up – I think the Chiefs are going to try to get this thing done. I think they're looking at it the same way I'm looking at it. And saying these three guys are important, we got to get all three and clean sweep. Yeah, you know, number one has got to be a hill. But if Matthew is the one that gets dropped off, and I, I say that because they didn't get an extension done during the season, right? That was really easily done, and they didn't get that done. That that could have been done. I I think they were so worried about pissing off Hill, they didn't give Matthew an extension. Yeah, so. I don't know. I, I, I think it's interesting. There's going to be a really interesting book about this Chiefs team. There will be. Ten years from now. Yeah. Because there's some shit going down with this team. The the oral history of the whatever yeah. Chiefs, whether it's a dynasty or whatnot. Yeah. Call it the, called the Mahomes Reed era, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Absolutely. I think you said it really well about Andy Reed earlier, about it being a people pleaser. I think yeah. he has been that his whole career. I don't think he's a bad guy. I think he's actually probably a really good guy. I just don't think he's that. I think he would have benefited by taking a year off between going from the Eagles to the Chiefs. He wouldn't have gotten the Chiefs' job. He would have had to take a different job. And maybe Clark Hunt put enough money in front of him in a situation in front of him that was too good to turn down. I, I mean, listen, I don't think you can – be a true people pleaser and be a head coach of an NFL franchise. But 
I definitely sense that there are parts of him that are there, but to your point of having a break, being able to kind of figure out if this is what he wants to continue to do. I'm sure that some level he saw the talent that was on the field and the challenge and was just like, let's go. I think what he saw, honestly, was some of the things they didn't have Mahomes yet, but I think what he saw was the willingness by by ownership. Here's one thing: a big reason I've not been a Chiefs supporter when I first moved to Kansas, and mm-hmm. it was because one, I'm a Saints fan, I'm never turning them down. But sure, well, I don't have to now. <laughs> Peyton didn't make a bad decision, so I don't have to give him up. But um, was that I didn't like the way Lamar Hunt ran the team. Yeah. And that's fair. I always thought it was a money grab from Lamar Hunt. Mm-hmm. I never thought he really gave those fans what they deserved. That was a winner. Now, I'll say his son is the direct opposite. Yeah, his Clark has done great. some great things. I think Clark Hunt's done a great job. He has obviously said, hey, I'm not my old man. You know, and Lamar Hunt is, you know, in the history of the game. He's the guy who came up with the idea of the name of the Super Bowl. They named the trophy after him for the AFC Championship. I was going to say the AFC Championship is named after him. But Clark Hunt, to me, is a better owner because I think he cares more about winning. Well, I I can't think he's willing to do more. Let me say that I think he's willing to do more. Yes, that's probably a better way to put it. But it was also different eras, and so I I don't know. I don't know what it was like to own a team in the 60s as compared to well, the I'm talking about the 1990s in the early 2000s. No, and I understand that, but the money still wasn't as wild as it is now. Yeah. But it also wasn't like Mike Brown from the, the Bengals Correct. who didn't have money. Lamar Hunt was an extremely wealthy man. Correct. You know, and it wasn't related to his team. So oil money. Yeah. So I mean, I yeah. Um yeah, I do have one last thing, NFL thing I'm going to hit real quick here. And okay. that's, uh, let me ask you this. What, do you have any thoughts on the Rodgers still? Um, I read about his Instagram post on Monday, his Monday gratuity or yeah. whatever it was yeah. uh, that he seemed to be thanking his ex-fiance and then perhaps his ex-teammates. I don't know. It's Aaron Rodgers. He's going to do what he's going to do. I don't need to parse or spend time on his social media posts. Yeah, I'm not either. So. I'm curious because now the Packers are making some decisions that look like they're wanting to make some decisions to try to keep him. They were always going to make decisions to try to keep him. Well, they, 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 it's like double talk what they're doing though. So the new, the new OC is someone that's a Rogers guy. Um, the new quarterback coach is a Rogers guy. Um, the GM just came out and said, Hey, I never promised to trade Aaron Rodgers. I never promised him. I would trade. I still think he's getting traded. I don't. I don't care what anyone says. Green Bay wants somebody like Rogers, just like they wanted someone like Favre, and they will do whatever they can to have a Bart Starr, whomever, come through the system and yeah. just be the face of the franchise. Yeah. So 
I, again, none of the coaching or the player personnel moves really matter until the player who's impacted makes a decision. Makes sense. I agree. Yeah. I did see that the Saints promoted uh, two assistant coaches to be co-defensive coordinator. I did see that on the scroll for this game that your, uh, your Tigers are fighting against the Cats for. Yeah, this is not good at all. Yeah, and that never works. Two two defensive coordinators never works. Generally, no. Bad idea. Two coordinators means it's like the thing of you have two quarterbacks, you have no quarterbacks. If you have yep. two coordinators, you got no coordinators. So, and now uh, since we've been sitting down doing this, LSU from ten up to now four down with thirty seconds to go in this game. They do have the ball. Let's see what happens here. We can't do play by play. Oh, you missed the late. Oh, this game is over. This game is over. Yeah. And my son would like to hang out with me. So I'm going to hang out with your son. Thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate it. Um, Yeah. So huge thanks to you. Thank you for coming on. Hey, thanks, Tyler Jones, everybody at Studio Soapbox for everything you do do behind the scenes. I appreciate it. I know we both appreciate it. Uh, Most importantly, thank you to you, the listener. Don't forget to rate us and review us. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere you get your podcast. We appreciate every five star rating. Uh, until next week, I'm Coach Bo, Brian O'Connor. That is Ellen Wingington. Hi. And uh, we're not going to call it Tucker Bill. Oh, um, wow. I don't, I don't like it. I don't like it. You've never been a tour. Hey, the season's over with anyway. And we're going to have to have So until next time, uh, have a great weekend. Remember your time tokens are non-refundable. And we'll see you on Monday.